Um, hi, everyone. Before you listen to this podcast, I just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, we kind of steered into some unexpected areas, uh, talking about uh, depression, abuse, trauma. Um, there were the events of my hometown, and I had some things to say about that. Uh uh, and what I'm dealing with with that and so forth. So we just wanted to give you a heads up uh, rather than steering you in blindly. I know some people listen to this at work or uh, in their cars or uh, all of that. And maybe you don't need to be crying in the library uh, while you're trying to do your homework. Uh, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know you. I'm not trying to tell you how to live. So, um, yeah, just a heads up and wanted to let you know before uh, we got started. Jack, I, I went on an adventure. Okay. This week. And an it's, adventure. It's, a, it's an adventure that Yeah. It's an it's an adventure that um that we've talked about before that that uh-huh. that we typically both uh regret <laughs> uh doing. I regret a lot of a lot uh, of things to you. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I need to narrow it down and be a little bit more specific. Um yeah. I I uh I went on uh, went we're not gonna I, I went on the internet and uh kinda did a little bit of a random Twitter search to see what people were saying about WandaVision. Oh, Ian, you but you haven't seen I, it yet. Uh, well, what are no, you doing? I, I, I think... We've got to watch it together. If you got spoiled, I'm going to be so I'm mad. I'm so on YouTube that certain people I, I are putting things in their thumbnails that I'm like, oh, well, now that I know that exists, uh, uh, that's definitely oh, a spoiler. Ian, also, I wanted you to go into it, like, fresh. Oh, there's like, no... Yeah, there's, that's very hard for someone who lives and spends his day on the yeah. internet. But I was reminded. Such a wonderful show, though. I was reminded of the the reasons not to do that, especially about things that you're going to watch anyway. I mean, you know okay, the reasons yeah. not to to check out. Um, Absolutely. The online discourse yeah. about things that you're yeah. not. Mostly, Jack. There's... The older I'm getting, the more I find that the less time I spend. This sounds so forty-two year old manish, but the less yeah. time I spend on Twitter and Facebook. The calmer and fuller my life feels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. Um, you you mentioned that though because I completely avoid like googling and anything about a show I'm currently watching if yeah. I don't want it spoiled because there have been times when, like, say I've I haven't like uh, understood a certain moment in in the show so i google it to, to get an understanding of it to, to see if i miss some something yeah. then then end up reading something that is a spoiler for something ahead and there's then that I go, well why did i do that so now i just don't do it there's that infamous experience about i mean you have stopped me where i've called you called you mm. bone sober in the middle of the night yes. and then like jack i'm i'm gonna check i'm gonna send my ex-girlfriend a message and look at her facebook profile <laughs> yeah and i've been like ian no yeah why no. why why do that to yourself <laughs> yeah like why it's just one of those why? morbid curiosity things that, uh, that everyone's got to have a handful of those like it's 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 like it's masochistic, or or is it sadistic? I I always get those those two confused. Whatever it is, it's not good. Yeah, like now, if I were, um, 
yeah, there's just no reason for me to. Now, now this is the thing is there's a there's an aspect of it that I'm I'm advocating against looking at or taking in um, the uh, specifically the social media or online. Uh, sure. By the way, everyone, hello and welcome to the podcast of the nerds. Uh, I'm Ian, and my my name is Jack. Yeah, I um, I'm advocating specifically against taking in the online discourse for uh, things you're interested in, and I'm a, yeah. uh, someone who runs a YouTube channel for seven years about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, other mm-hmm. things I like. So I I realize the implicit hypocrisy, uh, the uh, to the statement, but um, mm-hmm. I think there's also a difference between. Um, social media versus sort of uh, going to Metacritic. Not that I'm a part of Metacritic, or or the t- I, I used to always read Roger Ebert um, mm-hmm. uh, because he had uh, um, his writing was the style that um, even if I disagreed with him, mm-hmm. there would still be thought provoking stuff in the review. Okay, good things yeah. to think about. Or even if I was never mm-hmm. going to see the movie that he was reviewing, he would bring information um, to the review that um, was valuable to me, that, that, that made reading the review enjoyable by itself. And that's something okay. with my videos I, I have strived to do. Now, when you're doing an episode in the middle of season three of a show that is arc and built and builds on itself, you can't mm-hmm. exactly make it self-contained so that anyone can come along whether they've seen the show or not. But I do, exactly, like... Yeah. Um, I do try and make videos for she and where the wild things are and all of that that might not be great episodes. Be a, be a bad and then you yeah. get it out of the park and nail it. <laughs> redeeming videos. Redeeming videos. Mm. So I, I, yeah. think th- I think there's a distinction between someone doing an analysis or a critique or, or all of that and just sort of the online. But I, but I was morbidly curious and immediately regretted uh going and looking at it when i did now some people mm-hmm. jack some people might yeah. believe that that means that my opinions are weak that they yeah. are not subject to scrutiny and That's to that i say <laughs> yeah what, what do you say who cares <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> the other interpretation is also often um like uh, you just can't handle people like sure. um, um um shitting on the thing things that you like you can't um handle a, a dissenting opinion or, or whatever but for, for me because i'm kind of the same like i i started watching uh red letter media's um uh video on joker it was a half in the bag episode i think and they they didn't like it and so I stopped watching like 10 minutes in because I'm like, I really like this movie and I don't want I want to that experience. To exactly. <laughs> like, I want to like the things that I like. Right. Um, and like having your opinions challenged is fine and everything. But if I like something, I just want to keep on liking it. And if they don't like it, it's to- totally fine. I- I'm not saying that they they shouldn't not like it and they should they they should make videos talking about how they exactly. don't like it but but but, but i don't have to watch, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah exactly and exactly. i don't have to participate yeah. in the discourse i like mm. i would rather have an enjoyable experience than um a bad one that i ha- feel like i have objective evidence for exactly Do you know what and i mean because it it does kind of like 
it even if you you love something hearing someone tear it to shreds can still have an impact on that sure um yeah, yeah. there's things that cannot be unseen there's you know um yeah and i'm well, they... sure i'm sure that i have created that experience for some people you know once but i po- point out with the territory yeah that, well once i point out some critique or some hang-up i had about the episode uh uh, I'm sure that um, you know there are certain things that those are that that those people are unable to unsee after. Like whether it's let's say it's Riley's, um, Riley and uh, no Riley. Well, there you go. okay, that's a good ex- that's a better example. Uh, I was gonna say like you know if you watched um, this year's girl, um and and watched the freaky friday interactions and mm-hmm. watched it with a light heart and uh got to the end and were moved by faith's um you know tr- uh, uh emotions seeing herself and all of that and that was it and mm-hmm. that was the end of the experience more power to you you know yeah. like to me there's there is a social contract with coming along and engaging with uh my content we all do that by sure. choice yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and but hopefully we're always free to click click away if we really don't want to watch it. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, what I'm saying is, after you watched my video, you may now never see that scene between Riley and Faith the same way again. You know, right, right. But that's yeah, like you said, that's sort of the social co- contract you're making when you start watching a, a video. Right, and hopefully like- you you gain more than you lose in <laughs> the. Um, the watching of my content yeah. and also sure. i mean yeah yeah i don't know i'm in yeah. i'm in v- v- great danger of contradicting myself so <laughs> but something we talk about a lot is just like who wants to hate things you know? right like it's so it's so much more fun liking things and and enjoying things. and i think that's and... also the 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 spot where all of my content begins from is I love right, this yeah. thing. And when I, when yeah, you're yeah, done yeah. with this video, uh, when I'm done with this video, I'm still going to love this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, and you, you very rarely talk about thing, things that you, you don't enjoy. Even like the Baywatch movie, you didn't exactly enjoy it, but you still found things to enjoy a, about it. You know? Yeah. Like well, you and, didn't, you didn't make a video tearing it to, to shreds, you know. Yeah, that video began from the 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 point of view of how. Well, that's the thing I was talking about is how to create a piece of content that is worth watching, even if uh, my opinion of the movie wasn't great. Mm. Um, and be a bad is another example of that. Yeah. But since then, I I have. Uh, not written some reviews because I couldn't answer that question. Um, you know, with the episode guides, I don't get to let myself off the hook. I decided early on, uh, where I thought I might skip some episodes and skip reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, originally back in when there were a hundred subscribers and that was a lot for me at the time, people were like, no, don't skip any. So, um, here we are seven and a half years later and I, I'm still not anyway, Wow, <laughs> seven and a half years. To go and, five and uh, for four and a half seasons, and I've I've been with you for like probably five years now. It's been a while. I'm Isn't that sure. crazy? <laughs> that uh, 
it you know what it feels like yesterday but at the same same time it feels like forever ago yeah. it's such a weird feeling i mean i feel like we've changed considerably in just that short amount of time you know oh yeah both of us dramatically uh, i think then again at this age five years feels like nothing uh and then yeah. you think about it when you're in high school and like the four yeah. years of high school feels like yeah. an eternity What's with that? Especially, like, when I was a kid, a year felt like for, forever. Now, like, we're almost at the end of March. I'm like, we're more than a quarter of the way through the, the year. What the hell happened? Like, uh, Well, I mean, uh, pandemic time dilation is its own thing. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's the accumulation forward. of experience. You know, mm-hmm. when I was living with the kids, it was so interesting. I'd be yeah. gone for a week, and I knew that that was like a month and a half for them. Because yeah. every single day is this horizon of possibility yeah. stretching off yeah. in the distance. Actually, I've read something about that a while ago, that there had been some sort of research, or there's, there's a certain line of uh, thinking to that. That, yeah, it is about... Um, when you're a kid, you, you're having all of these new experiences mm-hmm. and that somehow um, fills your brain and makes you uh, experience time at a slower pace. Whereas when, when you're an adult, it all becomes a mundane and you start doing, <laughs> yeah, and you start doing the same shit over and over and over again. And then you're like, wait, I'm middle-aged. What the hell happened? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. anyway, long story short, if you want to watch something, just watch it. I go to yeah, Metacritic, absolutely. but to me, a number is different than yeah, the kind of I conversations you know you and I are talking about. I also I will only do that once I've watched something. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I, I just want to yeah, have I just want to have whatever opinion I was going to have before I watched it. Right, you know, right. Metacritic to me is like a yeah. is like a a, a signpost. Yeah, maybe go this direction. Yeah. Where that yeah. like that sort of conversation, that sort of discourse is tainting to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I just uh, I really hope that One Division isn't like ruined for, for you in some way. But yeah, because I don't know. I loved it. Well, we're gonna find out. It was a wonderful experience. I'll yeah. talk a little bit about, um, more about um, what I've been doing to prepare for it later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into this conversation, I uh, need to acknowledge. I don't know. Um, I normally avoid this kind of thing, but Jack, there was a. I don't want to say the words uh, anymore. I don't want to say mass shooting uh, because those words have it's 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 just meaningless. You just it's just it's repeated so often it, it it's hollow. Yeah. And thoughts uh, and prayers, same thing. I'm sure mm-hmm. this is normally where uh, you've been watching a show. Uh, anyone listening to this or listening to a podcast, and this is where. The hosts speak in soft, mournful, or respectful tones, but I'm not feeling that way. I feel f- bitter. Amen. Uh, so, Jack, um, ten people in my hometown were murdered last week um, in a grocery store my family went to uh, when I was six, about a mile from the first home I ever owned, a block from my aunt's house. Yada, yada, yada. That's got to be weirdly surreal and gross well if you want to see uh some beautiful footage of my hometown go and watch the vlog i did uh announcing that i was going full-time with the channel i feel like 
because some people have reached out to me saying they know I'm from Boulder, it would be weird to acknowledge or rather to not acknowledge what happened. Um, but this is not the first time my community, and um, I talked to my dad about it, and he said that's why we moved to Colorado. We're from Illinois, but Colorado felt like a community no matter where you were. Illinois is very segmented, uh, segregated. Okay. Um, this is not the first time my community has been touched by this kind of violence. Uh, when I was 19, two kids inflicted horror on Columbine High School, where my cousins were attending. My friend Nigel and I were considering meeting to go to a midnight screening of Dark Knight Rises the night of the Aurora shooting, 20 to 30 minutes from us, um, and those are just the ones I clearly remember. There are more, many more. But here's the thing. I don't really want to talk about it, because I don't have anything artful to add. For 25 years I've been listening to the same conversation, the same tired old talking points, the same outrage and activism. activism. Mm -hmm. The same defenses and 10 more people are dead. And I'm just mm -hmm. tired. I'm not in a good place. I'm grappling with my own grief again. I feel sick over our the lack of decency to do anything to save people, to prevent horror. And I'm trying to come to grips with the fact that other groups in my country have been feeling like this for decades. And the mounting years have also become a battle with my own constantly encroaching and completely hopeless nihilism about it all. And Jack, since that is not what we're here for, maybe we just don't. So, I don't know. I didn't feel like we could go without saying anything. I realize that's a huge bummer to kind of start things by. Mm -hmm. But I just don't have anything pleasant to add to the discourse about it. Um, so Jack, why don't you just tell us what we're up to today? Well, Ian, today on the podcast, we're going to be going through and responding to some comments from previous episodes. By the way, that's a tall order uh, to have you follow and segue out of that. Lovely job, that's, my friend. Thanks. I mean, here's the, here's, what here, can we do? Here's, like, the, here's what you can do, right, Jack? Mm -hmm. And here's the... Um, the only thing you can do is uh, love and hold the people that matter to you closer. And uh, Jack, you are absolutely one of those people in my life. Um, you, so I love you. You're and like, I love you too. You're like a, you're a mentor. You're like a big, big brother in a way. You're kind of <laughs> like a father figure to me. Like, yeah, Wait, I when you say too, big... Man. I mean, you're big and hairy. <laughs> Wait, and no, I didn't mean that, but uh, never mind. <laughs> there we go. I no, drove um, a beautiful sentiment into it. <laughs> honestly, though, look, it's, it's yeah, you know, as you know, stuff like that just doesn't happen here. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, well, and, and I don't want to get into the politics of it all because it's no, no, so, no, 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 so tired of, of it. Not. But um, I just want to say that, like, I... I feel I feel for, for for you and all all of you over over there. It's um. It's well, here's just, the, here's the thing: it's, it's anyone so listening, and, you and are, I worry about you too, man. I really do. Like, cause it's the thing I want to say to anyone listening is that if you are the reason I don't want to get into this is because if you are feeling activist and you are feeling angry and you are feeling hope and you are feeling change, then the worst thing I could do in the world would be to 
then good. Uh, then do it. Use it. Uh, I'm just tired. Um, after that, we're going to be talking about our uh, return to the list of shame. Finally returning to the list of shame uh, with Full Metal Jacket. Oh, <laughs> <one film. laughs> we're going to get Why? into it, but oof. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that, and that, then... that movie is to me. Well, we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, we're going to be returning to the fanfic reading with another chapter from Here Is Gone by Terry Boda. Uh, so, Ian. Yes, Jack. You and I, I mean, part of what we do here on the pop podcast is we talk pretty candidly about um, not only our struggles, but our, our experiences and the things that we, we go through. And... Um, I'm, I myself, I've talked um, pretty o- openly about my mental health str- struggles, yeah. and um, I've uh, I've been having a bit of a tough time uh, with that as of late. It all sort of came to, to a head um, rather recently, and I know I've talked a lot about this, and it seems to be up and down, and I feel like a broken rec- record, too. Like, it's fine. <laughs> a change is hard, man. Um, like, the line says, yeah. peace is not an easy thing to find. You know, like Absolutely. that's why we, uh, it's, it's a long timeline and that's the thing is, mm. it, uh, it is, it's a long journey. I've been in, I've been doing therapy for seven years now and, and mm. I would say I've really started to reap the benefits of it the past couple of years. <sighs> and I'm glad, dude, I've seen you come so far. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It's, it's night and day. Um, but yeah, man, like. It's funny because when I was in Sydney with my family, I had all these like uh, great ideas uh, creatively and, um, you know, just inspiration for things that I wanted to do when I got back uh, home. I felt really motivated and invigorated and stuff. And then I got home and it was like the fire in me just went out. Mm -hmm. It's it's like it's like it's like a light just switched off. once I got got home, I started feeling really depressed, and not just depressed, but just like empty, and and it's like the world lost its color. Um, you said in in a video, um, I I believe it's from uh, um, to, um, which one? It's the the quote you said is uh, profound depression is not ne- necessarily me- measured by how bad you feel, but by how little you, you feel, was it? Um, That's the first top 10 list. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I've been thinking about that a lot late, lately, because that's exactly how, how, how I've been f- feeling. I, um, dude, it's like, like I said, it's like, it, it, it's like the, the fire in me just went out and I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't think, I couldn't feel anything. I would like, I'd try to watch a movie or a TV show and I would feel nothing. Like I would, I would engage in things that I know that I love and I enjoy. And it just, this is when you were back home in Sydney. Uh, no, no, no. Once I got back home here in Melbourne. Yeah. 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 Um, when, when I was in Sydney, I felt, you know, inspired and had, had all, all these great ideas. And then, yeah, I got back here and it all just disappeared. Like, I don't know what the hell happened. I just became so empty mm-hmm. um, and and hollow. And 
I just couldn't do do anything. Like I'd I'd try to play a video game just to pass the uh, time, and it just it just it, it didn't feel en- entertaining. It didn't um it just didn't do do anything, and that is so like. I would rather be miserable and full of pain <laughs> than be full of nothing, you yeah. know, to feel nothing. It Yeah. Yeah, that that existential space is uh mm. I haven't been there for a while, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um Yeah. The thing of it is 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 kind of the channel was started under the because of the influence of that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, at the end of the day, work was not, work was something I went to to pay the bills, but I didn't have a family and I didn't have children. You know, I mm-hmm. have a wonderful circle of friends, but they're living their own lives and they, they were having kids and they were doing things and all of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, there had to be something else. I had to figure out uh, what the something else was. And uh, I went through a period where I had a lot of ideas, too. Um, I started... uh, Originally, I started a blog. This was Mm -hmm. after I saw... Not Victor Victoria. That's the wrong movie. Uh, There's a movie about... um, Amy Adams is in it. She plays a woman who uh, does writes a vlog where she does every uh, recipe in this cookbook. And the cookbook oh. is a very famous book on French cooking. And interspersed in the movie are flashbacks to that woman played by Meryl Streep um, going back and um, writing the book for the first time and learning how to cook. And I was so inspired by Amy Adams writing the blog... This is interesting, actually, uh, for me, because it connects to um, a script I'm writing. But I was so inspired by that story that I started a blog called StuffYouReview.com or StuffYouReview.org, which I thought was an easy-to-remember name, an easy brand, (laughs) where we would review things like – this was 2007 um, – the best tasting frozen pizza. So it, it, it okay. would kind of be like low hanging uh, reviews for the best Halloween candy. You know, um, kind of the stuff that Good Mythical Morning does now. Uh, mm-hmm. We yeah. were, and we wrote one or two articles. We did the, the best tasting frozen pizza one. I think it was DiGiorno uh, of all the ones we tried. And I think uh, we have that brand too. And all of that. But then my. Motivation for it, my uh, what I perceive to be passion for it, mm-hmm. just sort of dissipated, and I stopped making stuff for it and ended up back in that right. that space. The only time thing something finally stuck was uh, the channel. So I know yeah. I know that struggle. I know what you're. Yeah, it's interesting though because it's like it's not that I didn't want to do 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 the the, the things. It's not that I didn't yeah. want to make stuff and and do 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 podcasts and all that stuff it's it, it's more just i couldn't find the fuel for it if if you know what i mean sure. it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that i don't enjoy video games anymore or i don't enjoy you know the films that i like it was just i don't know man it, it's so hard hard to put put into words but well, it sounds like an identity crisis you know yeah you, you hit yeah. a wall 
Well, not really an identity crisis. I'm, I'm, I mean, kind of, but it was more just like, yeah, it's not. It, it wasn't really a realization that I was doing do, doing things I, I, I'm not enjoying because I'm, yeah, 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 no, I like what we do here. I like editing. I like video games. Yeah. It was just, just this overwhelming sense of emptiness that. Yeah, man. Like it, it, it was just a really tough cup couple of weeks. Um, I've been in thera- therapy since late la- last year, um, and since getting home, I've had some rather con- confronting uh, sessions with my psychologist. But um, tough, but very essential mm-hmm. ses- sessions, and and I know it's helped a bit. I mean, I'm I'm somewhat doing better better now, sort of. Like it's still a struggle. Um, but that's the thing, and you you just kind of touched on it. Is that healing is not a linear thing. It's it's um, it's very messy, and there isn't really a single moment when you wake wake up and go, oh, it's all it's all better now. You know, there's no thank thanks, doc, I'm cured. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that doesn't really happen. Um, no, no, it's funny. Um, my therapist and I, uh. We we uh, <laughs> I I had pretty much resigned myself to the idea that I would be uh, in therapy for the rest of my life, you know. It, and if you think of it from the standpoint of a coach or um, any any of that, there are some people that pe- need coaching on their shot and mechanics daily. You know, yeah. there are some people that need it weekly. There are some people that be- would benefit visiting an unbiased third party once a month. To say, hey, here's kind of what I'm up to. What do you think? You know, someone who doesn't have a stake in anything. Someone who's just going to be yeah. honest with you and straightforward with you. Yes. And Some, impartial. Yeah. Um, there is never a time in life when I don't think that that loses its function, loses its use. Mm-hmm. But um, it was funny. My therapist uh, a few months ago said to me for the first time that... She, um, you know, she could imagine envision a time when I, you know, had internalized the tools of that process enough mm-hmm. where I just didn't need to come in, you know. Um, and I was shocked, like, really? She said, sure, you know. Uh, like, mm. then things come along, like a grief, and then we, we see each other for a couple of weeks uh, and talk through it and work on things, but... Mostly, you you carry the tools that we use in here with you. So it's not that crises stop happening or things mm. stop occurring, but you have the tools to um, support yourself and deal with them, um, and and to kind of move through them. You know. And what's yeah. weird is I notice when I have a session on the books, mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> I, I have this happened more than once. I'll, I'll have a, I'll see I have a session on the books, and then I think, well, I've got to we've got to talk about something. I guess what have, what have I been what have I been dealing with? And then I'll yeah. start thinking about the things I've been dealing with. And I'll be like, well, I could probably change my approach this way, and then I'll start, and then I just work it out before I ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Ian thing I've ever heard. And then we get into therapy. Uh, we've had many sessions where I just tell jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or tell tell a story and then I'm like, well, uh, you're I, very I, sort of like almost you're, you're like emotionally I- independent in in a way. Like you love 
to fix things in your mind. Like I, I admire that greatly about you, but I'm sure it drives you freaking crazy. Well, it's it's my too. it's 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 my path to peace. You yeah, know, like that's the thing about anxiety and stress and self hatred and all of those things is that once you kind of realize that you mm. don't have to carry them, right, right. They're not a. They're not a curse. They're not a. Yeah. They are active processes. You know, yeah. they're they're things we learned from terrible events in our lives, or things we taught ourselves as coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. or whatever they whatever they are. But once you realize yeah. that that you don't need to do them, you don't need yeah, to. You don't right. need to hate yourself. You don't need to yeah. punish yourself. You don't need to feel bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of work, but if you do yeah. the work, then, and like once I've I, I I once I kind of realized that like I didn't have to do that, then mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it can be tedious, and I'm sure I exhaust other people because not everyone works the same <laughs> way. Like not everyone is is the way I am mm -hmm. about like here, let's disassemble that and look at its component yeah. parts and put it together in something more pretty. Yeah. There have been many times when I've come to you with some sort of a anguish that then I'm going through and you're like, Jack, do you need me to fix this or do you just want me to <laughs> shut up and listen? That's a very important, uh, like, <laughs> Absolutely. I've realized but that I can't always make that distinction. And so mm -hmm. I ask up front, are you just looking for me to listen or do you want me mm -hmm. to, to work but on this with you? 99% of the uh, time though, when, when I come, come to you with such a thing, it's because I, I need you to help me sure. stop being such a crazy person, you know, <laughs> like you, you're, oh my God, you're almost like a coach for me, you know, like you've, you've talked me down off a lot of the ledges, yeah. you know? Well, um, I mean, we have, e we have each other for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. What else is going yeah. on for you? Well, first of all, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't no, mean to rush past that. Where, was there anything else you wanted? Oh, well, just, yeah, I know. I just plan to keep working on myself and going to therapy and just trying to be kind to myself which you know i struggle with i'm i'm notoriously hard, hard on myself um you yeah, know um it's it's something that I, that I need to to work on but also just take advantage of the good days and just holding on uh through through the bad days i guess um but yeah things haven't been all bad though i have some pretty exciting news um i have officially begun working with chip chipperish Me media uh, thank you very much. Uh, under the illustrious title of content coordinator, um, Lani and I, um, she offered me a position last year and we talked about it for a little while and uh, we made it official over for the last few few weeks and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the Chipperish crew. I'm feeling jealous and competitive. <laughs> I mean, you're you're like the last person in the world that needs to feel that that way. But my title feels of... better. Oh yeah, what what is your title? Je huh? Jesus, Jack, you have an emoticon Je in all our streams. <laughs> okay, that, yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> but, hey, like I say I to everybody, <laughs> there's plenty of Jack to go around. And and hey, when you and Lani first started dating, dating, do you remember what I said? Wow, that's amazing. Do it. 
what no that's what i said to to you but then i said tell lani that i'm okay with it but he he was mine first oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um so it's okay you know this it's it's reciprocated um yeah but no i'm i'm super excited and i'm extremely grateful of for the opportunity um i was also extremely terrified as you knew uh because sure. Yeah, I don't know, go, going into any, anything new, but um, I completed my, my first bit of work and Lonnie was very impressed and I let out a sigh of relief. <laughs> um, You're a good editor, yeah, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate mm. that. One day I might believe it. We'll see. <laughs> Sky also blue. Water also wet. Uh, you're a good man Ian <laughs> um, another thing too um, I have begun another podcast with a couple of cool cats from the uh, from the the, the pa- Patreon ha- hangouts that we uh, do um, Sarah Ezat aka the costume nerd and uh, a lovely fellow by the name of Josh Gosden with, friends uh, of the show yes friend, friends of the show very very good uh, fr- friends of the show We've uh, gotten to, together and we've started um, a podcast centered around the TV show Far- Farscape. Um, Sarah's seen it and she's a big fan and she came to me and she, she was like, look, I know you you, you haven't seen the uh, show. Josh ha- hasn't either. So would you guys like to get together, watch the show and then make a podcast on it? So yeah, we filmed an intro um episode a week a week or two ago and we're filming another one late later in the week and we're just gonna go go through the whole um series um episode by episode and spend an hour or so to talk about it on a podcast um yeah if you're interested in that keep keep an eye out on my uh twitter um hasn't been released just yet but it's coming soon Mm -hmm. um so ian what 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 about you well (sighs) <laughs> there was a there was a story that I was thinking of telling um, on uh, the podcast, but uh, in light of the uh, recent events, and I don't know, do we want? Uh, we're talking about we uh, considering the way uh, we opened, and and uh, you know we're talking about dealing, grappling with depression and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, do we want to do I, do I do I want to go for the f- bummer full house? <laughs> Well, it, you know. it's real, man. Like, 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 some, some, some podcasts, some episodes are going to be cheery and upbeat. Others, we need to just get our shit out. And yeah, maybe this is this. This yeah. is what that is. You know, and that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you okay? I, I'm I'm editing. Um, in my okay. head. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to go there just yet. But uh, okay. you were talking about um. I had a very interesting experience. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're t- you were talking about therapy generally is not like, mm-hmm. um, you know, these big aha moments and I'm cured and, and so forth. Um, generally, that's not what it is. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's slow. I mean, it can it can be for some people. They do have an epiphany, uh, an epiphany of sorts and a breakthrough. Yeah, it's for some people. Yeah, um, breakthroughs are real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breakthroughs are not often. I've had lots of breakthroughs in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was in the cult of self help, um, 
lots of breakthroughs. Breakthroughs can become mm. addictive but, because but they feel often, like change, but they're not. Yeah, but they're often followed by a lot of hard, hard work. They need oh, to be, but they're yeah. not. But mine weren't. Uh, and that okay. was the problem. It was like... Okay. Um, was... Uh, uh, you know... It, it, people came to the the self-help cult uh for a number of reasons and 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 looking for and most of them was because they were unhappy with aspects of their life and they were looking for change and some of them found it i di- i didn't um okay. i i i felt change i felt um uh emotional shifts but but then um the hum, the hum, and the drum of my life that I was used to at the time, and my uh, uh, all of that kind of took back over again, and mm-hmm. and um, I became very suspicious of breakthroughs because um, my a lot of my success in therapy has come from accepting that despite how smart I am, I'm also not that different from my cat Josie. Right. right, we're okay. both we're both animals. Um, yep. We're both, you know, we both have brains with neurons that connect, and and some pathways between neurons have been reused over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. the, one of mine is alcohol, you know, and there are some that um, are fresh and new and need me to constantly make the decision to reinforce that path and and that was quitting drinking you know Mm -hmm. um it was very easy for me to drink it was very easy for me it was a source of of peace and joy Mm. for me being being drunk describing it as the thing that would dull the voices in your head right and uh and quitting i i think we're on a year uh this month is has been congratulations thank you by the way um Quitting was work. Quitting was oh yeah, having to remember. Wait, no, I quit, over and over and over again. You know it, the the Pavlov's dog kind of reinforce, 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 and like accepting that for one kind of takes the pressure off yourself from slip ups. You know we're mm. we're animals, we're people, we're um you know. <sighs> we're not that uh, better than we're not that distinct from gorillas or whatever like like uh, it uh, the machinery just, works the same way we just yeah, have a greater just, capacity to feel shitty about it yeah like <laughs> we're we're kind of smart apes but that's yeah, kind yeah. of smart <laughs> and i mean so you know that made it easier for me to just kind of go oh yeah okay no yeah no and like um now i go a few days without thinking about a drink Used to be a few hours. Um, someday it might be a few weeks. You know, that's progress. That's slow. That's the progress uh, I am familiar with. The breakthrough that I needed to quit drinking was not the fix to um, to to making it happen. On the other hand, um, I recently began. Uh, There's this, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I've kind of hinted it that um, I uh, have some trauma uh, that, mm-hmm. I, um, that happened to me as a young man. 
Um, I think I was uh, 16. Happened a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And um, I've thought about writing about it for a long time. Um, thought about mm -hmm. uh, writing about it on the channel. But I never wanted the channel to be the place where I air my laundry. I, I you know, I never, I, I don't, I, I like having a private life. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like... I mean, you've been okay with, with doing that through the prism of of a Buffy video or something like um, to, if, to an extent anyway. I, w I, I only ever wanted to tell a story um, if I knew the punchline. You know, yeah. um, if I understood, if I had learned, if I had learned, forget everyone else, if I had learned uh, what there was to learn from the story, if I could get something uh, out of that story, then I felt like maybe it was a story worth telling. Mm -hmm. uh, because then I knew that it could be effective, that, that there was value there. I had the concrete evidence that there was value, right? Um, and I, I never really figured, I never really figured out what that was from my assault, okay. um, and telling that story. And I knew that that I could craft something that was emotional, that was meaningful uh, to some people, that that was evocative, um, but. But I didn't know what there was to learn myself, and it has reared the the event itself has reared its its head multiple times over the course of my life, hmm. um, and continues to. And and um, finally, I was talking to my therapist about it, and she said, "Okay," she said, "Look," she said, "I'm gonna suggest something, and I don't think you're gonna like it." And I said, well, "Okay." And she said, I, I think we should do what's called immersion therapy. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. So she said, what we do is we schedule five consecutive sessions, and you come in here every day, or every one of those sessions, five weeks in a row, and write the story of what happened in every detail you can remember. And uh, and she said it's going to be miserable, and, and uh, you're you're you're, and it's gonna cause problems for those couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. She said, but the the value, the purpose of it is to sap the event of its power. You know to yeah. To stop putting it away and pushing it out of view, but to 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 blunt its teeth. That's not what she yeah. said, but um, and I said that sounds terrible. When when do we start? You know, which is the whole approach of this podcast. The whole yeah, absolutely is like um, you know you. Uh, Fear is just not good enough, not reason not to do something, not to pursue being healthy, yep. not to, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that it's meaningless. I'm just saying that for me, 
Um, Sometimes it's because of the fear that we should do do something. Right. It, the, the, the opportunity like to we, live a full, healthy, peaceful life yeah. is worth more. Uh, to yeah, me or, or even just just to achieve things you know um that's why i did the solo po- podcast i was terrified but i did it i know that that's not even no no yeah, we're, we're, not, about, we're but... not comparing buddy um but but that's i feel like that's the operating principle of what you and i do and what we talk about so mm-hmm. um you know i uh, i i basically had a breakdown the day before the session happened and then we had a technology problem the day of the session and missed it mm-hmm. and uh which worked out it was like a test run to all of the stress and anxiety to right, before okay. it happened and then so i guess it kind of worked, worked out in a way yeah and then the next week we just sort of went into it and um she said okay she said well um, we're not here to talk about anything else at this moment she said i'm going to read some things and explain to you what this is and wow could i feel the total physical resistance to starting i like right i i I, it's such an unusual experience uh to Mm to um to ordinarily we we i think it's the uh, our uh, the human impulse to to put misery away to to yeah. because and I uh, this is part of the video yeah. that I want to write about this whole experience is like that's what mm-hmm. feeling that's what getting healthy feels like is mm-hmm. is yeah. like when you experience it's, a it's trauma hard. you are on yeah. fucking fire mm. and, and you wake up every day on fire and you just want a day where you are not on fucking fire anymore. Yeah. And then you get an hour where you don't think about it. And then you get a day and then you get a week. Yeah. And that's what feeling that's what getting healthy feels like. You feel like you you pray for those days. You pray for that uh that uh that peace there's a chance to just space out and play a video game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and to forget what that person did to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, of <laughs> deliberately rekindling mm. that kind of, uh, trauma it's, um, is it's totally, what is it? Antithetical or whatever. Counterintuitive it's completely. Yeah. yeah. Like it feels utterly insane. Um, you know, and, and so we we were sitting there, and I I could feel every just every fiber of my being resisting starting. But I was okay. So now what do we do? And she said, "Well, you're going to write this, and I I want mm-hmm. you to." She read this. She was reading a a thing about like details matter, and um, you know, focus on this. I'm sorry, everyone. Like I I didn't mean to make this a, a, no. a this a no, no. kind of emotional Don't. thing. Don't. You always tell me not to apologize for things, so I'm going to tell you in this moment. Well, I just, I hope, I hope that everyone is in a space to listen to this kind of thing. And uh, I'm not going to go into gory details about the event itself, because it's not actually what the relevant part of the story was. Uh, 
just uh, as much of a trigger warning as we can give at this point. Um, so I could feel my uh, my uh, resistance and my desire to distract and my desire to look at everything except the screen. You know, it's not mm -hmm. all all too dissimilar from procrastination. And and I do this blindfolded journaling thing where I put on eye covers and. Uh, uh, write for 25 minutes and I find it miraculous in the ways that it filters out distractions and allows me to just be with my thoughts and, and, and to, mm -hmm. to say what's there. I asked her if that was okay. She said sure and and so she started the timer and we kind of went at it. And the most of the story, so I was 16 and um The, the the part from that part of the story leading into the moment itself was um, you know he had told me if you come over here something bad is going to happen and I th this this man is his 40s and I thought he was kidding and I and I was deeply lonely, and and there was alcohol involved, and mm -hmm. it was I um, I had left Illinois, and my dad wasn't speaking to me anymore, and I was in a, a state where I had no friends and none, none of that, and and he had we we were talking about drinking. This this guy befriended me, lure, started to allure me, and. Uh, you know, he. We started talking about alcohol, and the night of, he told me, um, "If you come over here and get drunk, something bad is going to happen." Right. And so, the for for twenty five years, I think uh, the part of the story that I have struggled with. Or, or now again, uh, uh, I'm speaking purely about my own experiences. Everyone, I, yeah, like if you have dealt with this, I'm not making statements that apply to you. I promise. Um, I'm just trying to speak personally about what I've grappled with uh, as a result of this. Um, after the event, and after that time spent, and after the the way trauma radically destroys your perspective and shapes something new that is cobbled together by by my own just desire to feel normal and to get through the day um there's always been a question for me like why did i go over there now let me be clear i'm not blaming myself for what happened but the but after all the 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 trauma and the sadness and the ways in which this infects your life and shows up in relationships and shows up in in your ability to trust and your ability to 
hug another human being to let someone touch mm-hmm. you um you know the only thing you're present to is the event itself and and mm-hmm. and so i started writing about the uh, the the lead up i started writing about that summer where my dad kicked me out uh at the end of the school year and i moved to colorado and knew no one and the events leading up to that and how lonely I felt and how, you know, my mom, bless her heart, was trying to, you know, she was, uh, she would bring people over for me to meet and she brought this guy over and this guy befriended me and I was, um, desperately lonely. And I started to, in, during the writing, I started writing about why did I go over there? Why, what was the, what was the thing? Like, I don't, I don't remember what we were talking about before he said that to me. I've just remembered what he said and kind of like blinding myself out and getting back into the moment and the experience of it. I remembered it was the alcohol. Okay. I was a 16 year old kid. I did similar things as a teenager, found myself in stupid situations, either for alcohol or weed. Um, Yeah, yeah. it was the, it was the alcohol. It was, I was, as a 16 year old kid, I had not rid myself of the perspective that alcohol is a party in a bottle. Right, you know, yeah. which is a perspective sold. I don't know about other countries, but is this perspective sold to American kids oh, in this? Very much so. Yeah, and even just um, you know, you know, when when we celebrate in, in general, it's it's expected that you you have a drink in order yeah. to celebrate something. And I wanted to feel happy. Yeah. That was it. That was the whole thing. I was a lonely 16-year-old kid, and I wanted to feel happy. And I thought he was kidding. I I didn't understand adult relationships and and adult sexuality or or violence or dominance or any of that stuff. But even like... Even if you were an adult, like you're only 16, but even as uh, as an adult, like how are you meant to know exactly what that means? And if someone said that to me, I would assume they were kidding too. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. That's sick, man. Um, and when and- I was writing this and when I, like, here's the thing. I, I, I. I it's important to understand this dynamic. I didn't blame myself for what happened, but I but I felt like it was kind of like this, right? In the in the the decay of memory and passing of time, um, you you know if you if 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 you get eaten by a lion, you don't you know obviously it's the lion's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But I kept wondering why I went into the desert. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and and look, look, you already know this, but I just want to like put it out there that all these feelings are very em- emblematic of people that have um, suffered abuse and, and right. trauma. And, you know, um, re- regret, even like blaming oneself to to an extent. Like it's all it's all part, part what, of it. And here's the thing. 
here's the thing mm-hmm. that happened when I remembered that it was I was a kid. Is is like exactly that's the kind of trauma you feel lensed through time. Yeah, you experience yeah, it like, today as though it had just happened, but it didn't. I was mm. a sixteen-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and when you're sixteen, you feel like you're older and whatnot. But I'm, well, I'm, and the, you're still it, a kid at twenty. The most important thing, though, is like once I realized my motivations, that was the moment that I realized that they were utterly irrelevant. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I... Even if you got blind, drunk, and pop passed out, that Utterly, utterly irrelevant. Like, yeah. uh, I, but I, 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 I couldn't get there without that exercise of remembering the way I thought about stuff as, as a kid. I was a kid. Okay. That wasn't... Yeah. That was... And that was the first time that I've ever forgiven myself you know like that's powerful man in a bubble you kind of uh and it's not even that it's not even that it's like stopped blaming that kid you know um oh boy yeah which is something that resonates with with me which is something i i because of the way I, it has just felt like me the entire time. I, I blame myself today for for everything, but that wasn't me. That was a kid. Uh, yeah. And a monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know what? Most sixteen-year-olds are in a hurry to grow up, and they want to do all the things and live and party and all that shit. Like yeah, you're yeah, a kid and like just I being a kid. The year before then, I had gotten drunk with my stepsister, and and we at a party, and it was a ton of fun. Mm. Like yeah. kids are kids. I was a kid. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and I yeah. and and I and did I've... a lot of stupid shit as a te- teenager that that I regret now. But but at the same same time, I'm like, even though I didn't did a lot of stupid shit, I had a lot of fun and yeah, I that, was a kid. So whatever. That's the thing is like it's not it's less forgive that that kid, but stop blaming him. He has yeah, nothing to be yeah. forgiven for. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah. There, it, it, sort it, of. And almost like reach back back in time and try to com- comfort him, if you know what I mean. And, and yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the value. That was. I don't know that I could have gotten there, if, I, hadn't done this exercise, because, I couldn't stop seeing. Now here's the thing: even if that happened to me today. It, it wouldn't like it wouldn't be my fault you know that's not no. what I, that's not what i'm saying but like but my my propensity my impulse is always to hold myself accountable for mm-hmm. everything to blame myself for everything but i would never blame a 16 year old kid right for being assaulted for like, being assaulted not. and like yeah to to see like that kid's relationship to what he thought alcohol was and and how l- lonely he was, and just yeah. wanted to feel. He just wanted happy. Yeah, he wanted some com- companionship. Yeah, and to have some, wanted some, some fun. Like a friend. A lot, lot of sixteen-year-olds want that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you uh, know, you've just gone through a lot at the uh, time. Yeah, 
I'd never been able to let that go. And 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 people, you know, you hear that those those terms like forgive yourself and and uh, and they all of that. Sound, but they sound like buzzwords that they use. Yeah, they so, sound like so aphorisms or like for mm. me. We, we talked earlier about unpacking stuff and going through things and like that is the that is the reason why is because there's so many fallacies in our own perspectives of time mm-hmm. and our memories and all of that and the one that right. that I was suffering from in that moment was that he is me you know uh right. and and he's he's part of me but he's not the man I am yeah. today with the the age right. and the wisdom yeah. and the you know mm-hmm. uh accrued experience um so- so would you say that um, writing it down allowed you to om- almost see it as a third party? Like it, you, you were able to. Well, I see. Th- it was de- It was horrible. The the the, the was, writing yeah. experience was awful. Um, mm. I, I I sort of lapsed into shock for yeah. about an hour and then collapsed and had an episode. And uh, and then the next day it was a bad day, and then I was good. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, you were off that day. Yeah, but I, but that's the thing, right? Is like the 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 metaphor that I've come up with to understand the way the the process works, so that I could work on it for myself is is the fire is like when the fire goes out. It feels like getting healthy. It feels like you get the chance to move on. But unless you grapple with and heal the scars and the damage that was left, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you're going to carry it. You're going to carry it with you. And I will carry some shape of that with me the rest oh, of, of my life. Yeah, yeah. It's like working through it isn't about er- erasing it from yourself. You sure. can't do, so do, the, do the, that. It happened. The, the metaphor falls apart at a certain point, but um, but I never dealt with the scars. I don't think. Mm. I think right. I. You sort of patched them up, but they never healed. I wanted. I. I. I mean, you know what? We are remarkable animals. We can. We can mm-hmm. deal with horrible things. And we can pick ourselves up, and we can keep we can moving keep forward, but that's not always yeah. the best approach. No, no. I mean, I I think human beings often have this innate res- resilience, but that, We're that very resilient. Lead, leads, yeah, but that leads to often like skipping over things without really de- dealing with them or pro- pro- well, that's the, them. yeah. We are all meaning-making machines. You know, mm-hmm. we're constantly interpreting the world and cataloging and 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 all of that and like for a for for about a year i was on fire and making up interpretations of how the world works and i have found that those are like flaws in the lens i look through to see the world they're very hard to see unless they're um unless they're influencing a relationship or uh, including my relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And in this thing that we've been talking about, where it's like you have the choice to put stuff down, to get healthy, to 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 let go of anxiety and self-hatred, and to just f- experience peace, you really can do that. Right. That means not 
looking at the event, but looking at the lens, you know, figuring right. out all of those things that you made up. I mean, as an example, like one of the ones that I've had to grapple with is, is like male sexuality is vile and unwanted. Yeah, yeah, um, you've talked about that be- before. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that'd be a hard one to shrug, shrug off, and I know you still a, struggle with it th- in some ways. There are a lot of ways that that unexamined infects your life, um, hmm. infects your perspective. And once I saw that I had that, it's a slow process of connect the dots back to, oh, but I thought I was over that thing that happened. I've had that experience the last couple of months too. Like um, just on the pop podcast last year, I was talking about how I was think- thinking about stopping medication stuff because I worked through stuff. And then I yeah. realized, oh boy, no, there's a whole lot and lot of shit I just locked away. Yeah. And, and but, the, the, but, the, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, 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 you're good. There. It's just like, but the truth is that like, just because I am not suffering in agony from the event itself as I was the weeks and the months afterwards um, doesn't mean the damage was healed like that those perspectives those interpretations and those ways of seeing the world um, need to be addressed and part of the ways of addressing it is by doing what I'm doing now which is t- uh, taking mm-hmm. the sting trying to take the teeth uh, out of the experience by facing it. Um, And this was one session, you know. But that moment of... Like, we talked about therapy as... um, as work, and it is, it often is, especially when when you're dealing with sort of self-doubt or self-hatred or imposter syndrome or all of that. It's a proactive thing. You can't just sit there and listen to the words. You have to put them to, to use. But I'll tell you, man, that moment of separation between myself and that kid mm-hmm. and just, you know, wanting to hug that kid and just be like, yeah. dude, I'm so sorry. That was a breakthrough, you know. That was a. That that does happen too, I guess. You know, that's a that was a. That was a shift, um, where I felt something in me move, and uh, you know, and maybe now, there's four more of these to go. <laughs> It's, it's gonna be tough yeah. but it's it's yeah yeah um so that's my story <laughs> <laughs> no, i just want to say like in all seriousness ian i i love you so very much and i'm so proud of you for for, for facing this and dealing with it and, and and i know this wasn't in the script today i no. know no. you weren't planning on going in into this but i i want to say thank thank you for going into it and for sharing it and just um well yeah i've always Thank it's you. it's always been uh there there you know i i uh, i talked about there aren't a ton of conversations about i don't know uh i, I 
I don't hear a, a ton of conversations from other men talking about this kind of thing, and, no. uh, and I don't I don't know that there is a there is as much. Um, it's just not a part of the culture uh, in the same no. way for. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and I'm not espousing I mean, that as. Uh, but my hope, uh, for that reason alone, I've always thought that um, at some point I will write a piece for the channel uh, mm-hmm. about this. Um, but I wanted but I to, I wanted to understand the journey myself. Right. In right. A, right. You weren't quite there yet. It was right. still, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's what you're, you're doing now. You're figuring it out. You're yeah. And this is, and, yeah. this is a small piece. Um, mm-hmm of of that whole thing but you know my my thought has always been if me writing about sexual violence that i uh, experienced as uh, a young man and putting that out there and some 19 year old kid is who has recently dealt with uh yeah. something similar can hear that story or can hear those things then it's worth it yeah. then it's worth putting out there it's worth exactly. uh, sharing yeah. the, the whole thing but i just yeah. needed like, more information than i had mm. on the whole thing that's sort of um how how i felt to, to today um while we were standing up i told told you how I'm, i was feeling more nervous than i usually uh am and it was because um yeah, you know, I knew I was going to talk about some vulnerable things, and yeah. um, I, but I, I did it because one, my, my own catharsis. But I, I always think that there could be someone else out there that understands or or is going going through it, and that's like, if there's anything I want to do in life, it's to assure people that they're not alone, and that yeah. no matter how fucked up they they feel no matter what they're thinking or going through someone else has felt that that way and so that's why i chose to and there's to, to speak speak about it and the thing that my like my perspective to uh, my approach to content creation is like that thing that i described is something i can't control you know when i make something mm-hmm. when i put it on the internet i really cannot control um the outcome you no, can hope no, for an no. outcome. Like you, yeah, like you put it out there and sort of what happens from there is out of your control. Right. The, the only, yeah. the only um, outcome that I can control is my own reaction and my own relationship to the, right. the story or the piece of content or whatever. Right. That's why because I knew I wasn't, you it wasn't have, I'm not ready yet. You have, you, you have your interpretation and then people are going to have their own regardless of what. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't. We're this is like this is the podcast of I mean, how the hell do we well, segue that's... against the segue out of that? <laughs> I know, like it's it's been particularly tough with, with this episode, but I mean, this this is the stuff that we are here for, you know. Yeah, we talk about nerd nerdy shit in films, being because we love that stuff, and this is also like a place for us to talk about these things and well, for you guys to to uh talk about them too um in my in, in my head the podcast was always kind of about my um when i started it originally was about my journey to become better 
mm-hmm. you know, um, in whatever form that took, whether that was mental health or emotional health or, or all of that. And I think this fits right into that, you know. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And I think that 100%. our relationship is a, I don't know, it, it makes it a little more organic than me sort of uh, so speaking true. directly at the camera and you provide a perspective on the journey and, hmm. you know, uh, yeah. things you go through and all of that. So hmm. um, I think yeah. it, uh, we work much better together. Anyway, yes. uh, <laughs> we wanted to read a couple of your comments. Yes, yes. Uh, respond to, to some comments. That we've, <laughs> on we've, the uh, lighter gotten... side, sweet man, before <laughs> we just kick your legs out from under you and talk about Full Metal Jacket again. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, has this been a hell, hell of a ride? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we love a little uh, back and forth. So Aaron Smith, uh, we forgot to write down where these videos were captured from. Um, but, mm. So this was three weeks ago, so this was on the last episode. Um, uh, Aaron <laughs> Smith posted, uh, You got the gang back together. I was just thinking yes. about this podcast yesterday. I say that, but it could have been any time between January and 30 seconds ago. This podcast is my <laughs> warm blanket, as is my warm b- blanket. Well... Welcome back, you both. Well, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. That's very, very kind. And then we didn't Aaron's... put one up for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, Aaron is 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 a regular commenter. I've seen her her, her name a lot. Sorry, their name uh, a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, Aaron. And um, it's good to be uh, back. Although that first episode was. Uh, a bit of a false start, shall well, we say? Well, <laughs> we just wanted to rip the bandaid off, and maybe we went a little too quickly, and then we've you've been having trouble uh, syncing up schedules. But I, I hope after yeah. today, we'll be back on a semi-weekly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, next, uh, we have a comment from Daria Malkanova. Sorry if I bu- butchered your uh, sur- surname there. Uh, I'm so happy you you guys are back. Your po- podcasts always make my my day. Can't wait to see when what you do this year. If you are in, in interested, uh, com- community might be a show you'll like. It's one of the the most unique sit- sitcoms. There's a lot to enjoy and dis- discuss too. I've seen a bit of com- community. Have you seen it? I have watched all of Community. Jess and I watched okay. that uh, together. Okay, she loves the show. I- Okay, I've seen like a good chunk of season one, maybe a bit of season two, and I liked it, but it didn't hook me. Um, but maybe I need to keep. What trying. was the missing hook? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, well, think I, about I, it. I, I, on, 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 honestly, I have no, no idea. But it's, it's been a while, and while now. But that's fair. I did, I did enjoy that. Then it was funny, and it was quirky, and it was sort of doing its own thing. I hadn't really seen anything. Yeah, I I, uh, would agree with Daria. Um, It's one of the most unique sitcoms. It's incredibly creative. It's, you know what it is? It's kind of, this has poor cultural comparisons, but like, I I find Rick and Morty in a bubble kind of relentlessly creative. Uh, Mm -hmm. The places they'll go with science fiction and the things they're willing to try and the utter departures they're willing to do. Uh, the there's a an episode where they go into an arcade and uh, Rick shoves the thing on Morty's head and Morty suddenly lives his entire life as a man on Earth okay. and dies uh, working at a carpet store and, they, um, 
and or dies of cancer and is better or something like that. And Rick r- rips the thing off him and says, "Oh, you went back to work at the carpet store? Come on, man!" And he puts the thing <laughs> on and he gets a high score in Barry or whatever the game's called, the life of this guy. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a clever, creative idea. Yeah. Um, Rick and Morty uh, is uh, as I've much seen as the a little cult- bit of that too. Yeah, as much as the culture around it is, uh, I have gotten a poor taste from. Uh. Uh, the show itself, I, I, I find mm-hmm. kind of relentlessly creative, and I mm-hmm. feel that way about Community. Community, to me, is kind of a live-action uh, version of that, mm-hmm. where it's very clever, very creative. Right. But that's yeah, a, Let me be clear. I I did like it. I just, for some reason, it didn't... Well, go, all of that said, it, did, it didn't hook me. Uh I, oh, went, okay. <laughs> I watched all of it because Jess and I were watching it together. It was a good hangover show after... Uh, yeah bad decisions live streams also and 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 i really hate this when this happens but i read a synopsis of the finale which made me go ah well my my if a show doesn't stick the landing i'm always like okay uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, it's for me. It's more about the journey. Um, oh, sure, sure, sure. But, but I just meant more like I would prefer to not know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, for yeah. me, the problem that was the reason the show didn't hook me was because I, I didn't become emotionally invested in the characters other than uh, Amit and Donald Glover. Donald Glover is the character. I can't remember He's, the name of the character yeah. on the show. Mm-hmm. But he is the most emotionally evocative. Uh, oh, he's great, and, and that's my bias. I need my feelings. Mm-hmm. I need the feels. You know what I mean. I also don't like. Um, is it Joel McHale? Is that the 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 name of the actor? Yeah, and he's the main very guy? cool. I hate him. Uh, I hate him with a passion. Uh, but I, I, maybe I, he gets better. I like the cast. Like, um, uh, I oh just, yeah, he's I a just, wonderful actor. Don't get me wrong. I hate the character. Though. I just found the. Uh, it just left me a little cold. Like I, I, mm. I want all the feels. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, um, I, I would say that's I... that's a difference with Rick and Morty. There are a couple of like traumatizing okay. moments in that oh, show. Oh really? Yeah, okay. the, like where I teared up. Yeah, because you and I were slutty for the feels. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will mow yeah, like, your lawn if you make me cry. I want it all over me. Just I give will, it to me. I will do your dishes. I will bathe in your dishes. I will wash your tub. <laughs> I will bathe in your tub. <laughs> I will take out the garbage if you make me feel things. I'll make you feel all of the things, Ian. <laughs> Okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> As it always does yeah. with us. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, Robin Rose, uh, three weeks ago. So that was the last episode. Hearing you guys talk about mm-hmm. Detroit definitely made me realize that I would love to watch both of you play The Last of Us 2 on stream if you haven't played it yet. The game is emotional gray area content. That's putting it lightly. Uh, Robin, I finished... <laughs> um, I've played the original Last of Us several times. I would probably put it in my top five. Um, and I was stoked for the Last of Us 2 release. I was so excited. Couldn't wait to play it. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and um, it is... I, I played about 10 hours of it. Um, there, I, I mean, I know most of the major story beats. Uh, but the there's a... Um, there's a uh, there's a major event in the first ten percent of it, and then there's a major event in the middle of it where the perspectives shift, 
and I didn't make it to the second event where the perspective shifts. So that gives you uh, an idea, okay. uh, Robin, of how far through I made it. But as you said, emotional gray area content um, during a pandemic. After I quit hard drinking for twenty years and uh, all of that, I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go play Assassin's Creed." <laughs> you know, uh, I'm gonna play something a little bit lighter. Maybe something with superheroes. I um I loved the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I played probably ninety five to ninety seven percent of the story. I didn't finish it, but I was talking to to my brother. Uh, who, who was a big fan and he told me that I stopped basically just before the ending like literally like the level b- b- before the end yeah. and, and so I know how it, how it ends we've it's watched a one, the wonderful ending game. together I told you about the ending yes we, we yeah because yeah. You, you were like you should watch it I'm like oh wow like I wish I got there now because cool that ending the, the parallel between the ending and the beginning and Osara and, yeah, and, and Ellie and the, like I found the beginning oh, the first so gorgeous I found the first 10% of, we're being very vague and if you haven't played the games I apologize but I don't want to spoil yeah. they're still pretty new No, but I found the events of the first 10% of the second game to be inevitable I found them to be the inevitable mm-hmm. events of the way the first I, one ended um, I know what happens and look I was a little annoyed at first, but after you, you and I had a pretty had a conversation, about, conversation it, yeah. about it, we talked for like an hour about it and, and you won me over to the point where I was like, yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. But I can understand why some pe- people aren't ha- ha- happy with it though, but yeah. it does make sense what, what, what happens. But yeah, one wonderful game. Um, I don't have a PlayStation currently and Last of Us is, is a PlayStation exclusive, but I mean, I think maybe at some point we could play through some something together on stream i don't know we, yeah we've we t- talked about that for we a have while. talked about that it's just streaming um, to me is like a a deep deep to do also there would be some tech issues we'd have to figure out um yeah well yeah. we got fiber yeah. i don't know if it's yeah i told you we got fiber yeah, yeah. <laughs> um next comment from osbian knight f- from uh three months ago so this this a while ago uh, Osbian says the iron liner looks great. This is uh, directing directed at me. I'm gonna be a little self self indulgent here. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> Which be, I man. apologize for. No, don't apologize. Uh, I, I I I'm working on a script and I wrote a line about um, tactical selfishness or tactical self love. Mm-hmm. Like it's so underrated and we need more of it. You know, I'm not saying like willy nilly yeah. selfishness, but you know what? Right. You yeah. look good. Look. I, I read this comment and it made me feel good. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> thank you, Osbian. But Os Osbian says everyone says I'm goth. Have since they have since since I was a te- teenager. I'm 27 now. Even a running joke among my work co- colleagues since I wear mostly black. Thanks to the ridiculous amount of aesthetic vid- videos I've been watching late lately, I'd say it's more witch dark academia slash historical inspired kind of look, but don't really care one way or the other. Um, that sounds very uh, Edgar Allan Poe, which I like. <laughs> yeah. First of um, all, I love. I didn't. I've, I'm learning so much. I didn't know that mm-hmm. there was such a thing as academia historically inspired. Well, but did I, I love it. His- <laughs> But, but but here's the thing, like, and and this was a huge part of it for, for me, the way you 
present yourself to the world. You can do it however the fuck you want. Yeah. And you can call it whatever you want. Like, people people will look at me and call call me goth. It's fine. I mean, I considered my th- myself goth as a teenager. I went through a goth, goth phase. I don't feel like I'm I'm going for a goth look right right now. If anything, I'm going for like a bike a biking aesthetic. But um, I don't know. It's funny because this whole get up, it happened quite abruptly. Like I didn't tell anybody I, I was doing it. I just did it, and partly it was because I just wanted a change. I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel pretty. If I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like as a guy. You don't like. I I do this for for myself at first and foremost because I I like the way it looks and I yeah. think it looks good, and it makes me feel feel good. It makes me feel confident. But truth be told, as a guy, you don't do this because you don't want people to notice you. If you're shy and you don't want to stand out, you don't do do this. And I fully accept that. Um, it's not necessarily. It's not about get getting getting attention. But of course, I'm not afraid of that, if you know what I mean. Because in 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 a way, I'm kind of asking for it, kind of. No, not in a oh, like look at me, please. But just more like a, you know, I know some pe- people are going to comment on it, and some people are going to think it's weird or whatever. And I I, I don't care. So, uh, growing up, my dad mm-hmm. was very, very, very much of the fashion is a is a racket. My dad had a bright red plaid sports jacket mm-hmm. that he bought in the 70s. And he mm-hmm. wore uh, until I no longer lived at that house anymore. It was hanging in the closet. He, he, he would um, go to the, st- the, the mall and wear sweatpants with the socks. It has a rubber band at the base. And he'd pull his socks over, wool socks, over the top of them. And he would wear flat mm-hmm. boat shoes. I love that because... <laughs> and shirts with holes just... in them, right? <laughs> so this was like junior high school when I was mm-hmm. uh, I was sort of at that peak of like not wanting to be seen with my parents. And my dad went out of his way. Well, not really. Like he just... Uh, my dad's uh, fashion is not trying, right? Um, okay. And he, uh, he I, I grew up with that like continuous like voice in my ear of like it's a it's a thing and i'm just gonna dress comfort comfort in the way i want and yada yada yada. but you know what i got older and i kind of realized presentation matters i that took me a while took me a long time to get yeah i mean i've talked to lonnie about this and she's like well that's a very Mm -hmm. uh sloppy male perspective to have i was like yes of course yeah look who you're talking to for for the longest time, my attire consisted of band shirts and just shirts from Kmart with funny slogans on them. Now I actually care more. I like dressing up. I've talked before about how I love formal wear. I just think it looks freaking badass. So I love it. I guess partly the point of that is like what I'm acknowledging that this is a uniquely male journey. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like dudes, we just... don't have the same cultural expectations yeah, uh, from exactly. a, from a young age. So yeah, like, yeah, we're 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 uh, middle aged and approaching middle aged men who are like, oh, presentation matters. But here's the thing: is like yeah. you don't have to care about what necessarily what other people think of no. you, but no. like presentation can also matter to you. 
So if, absolutely, if you pre- present yourself as confident or successful or whatever your vision of that is, then like I, I've read a lot of um, books about well, not books, but articles about um, self-employment and tips for starting a good day and like good routines and all of that. And um, one of the big ones they say is dress up. Don't go to mm-hmm. your computer in uh, pajamas. Right. And, and, yeah. and, th- and this information is recirculating right now because of uh, quarantine. But, you know, dress like you were going to the office because presentation matters. You feel different. You feel that separation. You do. Yeah. You absolutely do. And that's how, like... Yeah, no, when when I put make makeup on now, it feels like me, you know. Sure. It feels like I'm I'm I, I'm stepping into a better version of myself and I like that. Yeah. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. the thing is like Yes, um forget, who cares what other people think? I mean unless yeah. it's like you're going but that's not even true, right? That's not even true. Yeah. Like well, like, I mean, like a, if you're well, going on. on a date, exactly, or a job interview, yeah. or whatever, like, right. um, like you—that's important. It matters. Like business mm. casual exists for a reason. Like yeah. there is a there is a there is something that is culturally considered professional. And the thing is, mm. when my dad was saying like yeah, all of that, well, when I was growing <laughs> up, it was like I know he went to an office and had to put on a tie and and all of that, and that's yeah. because presentation matters and he probably internalized mm-hmm. that as you know it's a school outfit or whatever whatever it was like yeah. they're making me a drone um but mm-hmm. i don't think that's the case i think like right professional employees create a professional environment yeah. and all of that but if it's yeah. true of that then it's also true of your home and relationships and right. all of that yeah. so i there's no need yeah. to be subject to what other people think but it does matter right you know what i mean yeah it- it does, yeah. yeah. And look, I before I started bothering too much with this stuff, I referred to my style as hobo chic. <laughs> um, and you know what? If that's your thing, go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah no. If that's what you 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 like, sure. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I just just dig what you dig. And look, if you want to go out wearing a purple tutu, then do that. Like. If you if you want to wear spandex, do it. If right. you if you want to wear a Superman onesie, do that. <laughs> and, and in terms of dating, like if you show up in, you know, if you show up tatted out, mm-hmm. in eyeliners and with Viking uh, uh, stuff in your beard, you're sending a signal. You're putting up a exactly. flag. You're saying, "Look, yeah, here's me. You better yeah, exactly yeah, in or not." Yeah. Not as okay, <laughs> exactly. but you know yeah. what you're getting into. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can't like show up to the second date looking like this because then they go, "Wait, hang on, what?" what? That's the thing, right? That's why I think over time, like those kinds of things matter. If you, especially like if you're dealing with depression or confidence issues or whatever, like mm. little changes like that can filter inward. If you accept the premise that we are yeah. animals. And like mm-hmm. that, these tricks can work. Yes, you know better, but knowing better doesn't like. Uh, we've told several stories today about times when we knew better, but it didn't matter mm-hmm. because the emotional perspective, the the um, 
uh, entrenched emotional experience of something carried far right. more power than our intellectual perspective on it, right? Mm -hmm. So, sure, you know that you're not going to the office, but if you putting on an outfit and doing all of that, like if you're depressed and whatever, can it, sort of like be a it, Pavlovian it, uh, pick me up. Yeah. And it gives you, I swear it does give you a boost of those feel-good brain chemicals. It yeah. really does. It, it it just changes some something. Even, like, no matter how, how bad I'm feeling, I still shower every day. I still, you know, do the minimum things. <laughs> it's okay, you no judgment. It's <laughs> I fine. Know, well, it's, just, it's a butterfly. <laughs> but, Tom, um, speaking about Viking, um, the, the last comment here is from Brianna Car Carlisle. Who says the eyeliner makes your eyes pop, Jack? Have you ever tried Viking braids, or w would you be willing? So here's the thing: I I could braid at my current length, but 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 I want to get a little bit longer before I start braiding. But the thing is, I don't really know how to how to braid. <laughs> I know it's what, very simple, that's but what YouTube's like braiding, for, baby. braiding one's own beard. I don't know. I'm gonna give it a go, but I do have some Viking beads that I've 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 worn worn a couple of times. Actually, I've got them right here. Um, these uh, wonderful little things that I purchased from a Swedish comp company called Grim Grimfrost. Um, yeah, so 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 I put them in some sometimes, and it makes me feel all pretty and like a Viking. Um, even though I don't really have Viking her 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 heritage, I like to pretend that I do. <laughs> um but yeah um thanks everybody yeah um, we appreciate the comments please leave more of them um yes you know absolutely we're not always sure uh like we know why we do this podcast but we're not always sure mm -hmm. um uh what you guys are getting out of it <laughs> if it's landing yeah. for you uh, uh yeah. what's your feeling so the feedback I, is we're, we're human uh the feedback yeah. is welcome and appreciated and that's why we're always open to hear about what you guys want to see and want yeah. and want us to do. Like, um, because, you know, like without an audience, we're just like, I, I mean, we're just two dudes chatting, which we do every day. More, yeah. more or well, less, I mean, know? honestly, I think originally I was like, well, we'll just have a conversation and record it um, and yeah. put it online. But that's the that's the, that's again my approach to content is that's something I would do anyway that is rewarding for yeah. me no matter what. And right, if we put yeah, it out there, yeah. that's the reaction I can control, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, right. So let's move on. We uh, watched our. We finally got back to working on a list of shame. Actually, we did two movies. Indeed. The first one before this was mm -hmm. From Dusk Till Dawn, which. Oh yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't go over well with the other members of our. <laughs> I like I loved that film and I loved it, but by the end of it, I I felt bad because I felt like I dragged you all. That was an four. Awful I like I that was four hanging faces. Yeah, uh, on yeah. on our Zoom call, and uh, then by the end of it, I'm just like, oh, this this is a bad idea. I shouldn't have put this on the list. <laughs> well, um, it, it, we wrote the list originally, uh, thinking it was just going to be the two of us, and now there's the the four members of the group. Yeah, and that changes what you choose to put on the list, and we didn't exactly, account for that. Like, yeah, like we talked about afterwards, like that film would have been fine for you and me, yeah. but not, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah um, but I, I also, I'm, I'm that person in the room that subconsciously feels responsible for everyone's good time. 
you know and uh, i i felt responsible for that because it was my choice yeah and, and so, i love that film yeah so i i, I yeah. about halfway through i perked up but uh, the the next movie we pulled was uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Right. Yes. Which was yes, way better. Yes. Way better than the first one. Yes. It's, I it's mean, ham- you know what's weird about that movie is it's so hammy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I shall leave you, Kirk, as you left me. <laughs> it's 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 very Shakespearean. I think we were t- talking about um, buried alive. <laughs> Come! Yeah, uh, it's very, yeah. it's very, very theatrical, which is fun. Yeah, but the, um, watching it this time, I was kind of struck by how there's interesting running thematic threads about. Mm-hmm. I think if I did a critical rewatch of that movie, there could be some fun stuff to write about. Um, right, but there's like a interesting theatrical thread about aging and birth and rebirth and um, all of that that I I think is more interesting than or deeper than the the presentation right yeah yeah i look i i can't say that i enjoyed it but i can't say then then i hated it either and uh. it made me feel some something at the end i had genuine feel feels at the end oh uh, yeah 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 um, that's i i sometimes oh, talking spoilers yeah oh well i, I mean know. the movies and the, i think the we should, and the next yeah. one's called the search for spock so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, Spock dies in a scene that's pretty harrowing. It's like, pretty he great. Do- he he does the sacrifice play. Um, he saves everybody by putting himself in harm's way, and like, he goes into this chamber where massive amounts of radiation are leaking, and by the end of it, he's he's covered in all these welts, and yeah. Kirk's there is all like, "I love you, man." He's like, "I love you too, man." Oh my god, um, I want to watch your version of Spock's death. <laughs> I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you too, man. I love you too. I love you. Hey, that that's a project we could do. <laughs> um, but look, it, it it genuinely made me feel feel something. I was like, oh, that's really sad. Yeah, and yeah, so. yeah. There's a uh, for all the overacting. I, I don't think that. I I I don't think that uh, uh, William Shatner is as bad of an overactor as people say he is. No. I th- I think well, not he's, here anyway. I think that he know. is. Uh, he chews the scenery. I got into a conversation with someone about the definition of that term on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that's that's the half step below overacting, where yep. you're, it's big, it's theatrical, it's fun, and I've always felt that way about Shatner, where he's just kind of ridiculous, uh, but in a very entertaining way. Um, yeah, but yeah. his. Uh, ceremony for Spock at the end of that movie to me is <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's here's here's I I so I he's really going for it. Though. I like, love. My God. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Really, there's one okay. note. There's one note, and I learned this note from that speech. Okay. I'll play the note mm-hmm. for you, but uh, but. Uh, it's 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 very um, alliterative. It's very he's he he hits every syllable very clearly, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the William Shatner um, stereotype. But there's a I love I'm a parrot and I love acting um, and and doing vocal performances and stuff like that. And the channel is my way of mm-hmm. doing that. But um, 
So I'll catch myself doing monologues in the shower. I don't sing in the shower. I do monologues in the shower and stuff like that. <laughs> and I do, I, I do the the one from the end of that because it taught me that note. And listen for the note. Okay. Of my friend, I can only say this: of all the souls I've seen in my travels, his was the most <laughs> human. That's the note. Yeah, like the that word. The way he hits most is so affecting. Yeah, I just maybe I'm just I'm 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 clouded by. I mean, he's William Shatner being William Shatner. He's like Ishtar or Nickelback. He's such a punching bag in the uh, the. It's so in vogue to to shit on Shatner. And like, I'm not talking about the man. Like, his public identity is whatever it is. Yeah, and so it's harder to be impartial, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Like, like it is a good scene, but it kind of makes me me laugh too. I don't (laughs) know. Like. Well, Maybe also because it's from the 80s, it's kind of cheesy and hammy. Like, I don't know. I but, will tell you, if I called you one day and I said, Jack, yeah. I want to read you something. And I just <laughs> read you that monologue. Without and, me knowing. And I looked up. Yeah. You would be crying. Probably, yeah. 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 And if, yeah, I, if I, I had no idea what it was. And if him and you had no idea yeah. what it was. It's a very affecting monologue. It just happens to be True. in this like, yeah. I s- from hell's heart, I stab at thee. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's 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 yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's it's. I'll be honest. That's the yeah. first time I've watched Star Trek two. So we've watched the motion picture. They're all on the list of shame. So we're gonna happen on all mm-hmm. of them at some point. I think yeah. I filtered the next generation stuff. There's only two of them on okay. it. Uh, but. Um, I have not watched that movie probably since we rented it on VHS from the video station wow. in Boulder when I was a kid. <laughs> and yeah. the reason why is it has a bit of horror in it that scarred me for life. Oh, yeah. Khan has these bugs that he puts in people's ears. Mm. That, They're like earwigs. Yeah, that they... Uh, that they that allows that makes them more suggestible and allows them to control their their mind and it's such a gross bit of horror then they do this zoom in on this like they get the scale kind of weird where the ears people's ears look huge mm-hmm. uh, and the bugs crawling and yeah. whatever the model was that they made out of it so yeah. like watching it as an adult I finally got over that scene where I was like oh okay this is just this is this yeah, is a bit I of mean, hammy fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not that bad for it's, me, but I mean, I'm, it's better than I'm Star Trek fan. One, and it's better than Star Trek Five. I mean, it's absolutely better than Star <sighs> Star Trek One. Like uh, Star Trek One was a slog. I couldn't wait for that to be over. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Some uh, some nice ideas, but executed so poorly. So yeah, uh, uh, it's a it's a forty five minute episode of the original series, puffed out to a two hour uh, <laughs> snore snore fest. Really, this, it was only two hours. I yeah. felt like so much. Yeah, longer. There, there's fun oh. ideas in it, but holy Toledo. Yeah, I love the Vija thing. I thought that was a really creative yeah, idea. Because really cool. because because I'm a space nerd, I love all that stuff. Yeah. But. It was just done in such a way that I didn't care. I just 
didn't care by, by the end. Uh, yeah. So after that, we rolled the movie that we were actually going to talk about. We're going to run long today, yes. so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, full, yeah, that's fine. Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Oh, my God, this film, Ian. Uh, from 1987, directed by the legendary Stanley Kubrick and starring Vincent D'Onofrio, Ali Ermi, and Matthew Modine. Holy hell, Ian. So this was the first time I I had seen it. Uh, you had seen it b- before, right? Yeah, I watched I watched Full Metal Jacket way too young. I've watched many okay. movies way too young. Um, yeah, and there are two, three um, particularly scarring moments of violence in the film that stuck with me for years. And then I watched it again in college. It's a very, um, you know, if you're a film buff. Uh, you know, you remember that joke in Buffy where, uh, in the freshman, where they said, uh, uh, "Is it a Monet or a Klimt?" Okay. And yeah, they yeah. have a game, um, going for who, uh, what cliche, the the freshmen are are because mm-hmm. every freshman had a Klimt poster or a Monet poster. The score one for Klimt, and he puts the the poster up, because it's such a it, it's it's like your first. Um, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I really like Klimt. I really like Monet, but it's so popular at that particular age. To and I would argue, like there were a lot of Einstein posters on the wall, but it's so popular at that particular <laughs> age. Is to that's the time when you become very interested. Yeah, and poster stores are loaded with Monet and Klimt posters. I, I yeah. like among um, film nerds and the the, the film um, cinephiles and all of that. Like Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick is definitely one of the. Oh yeah, the, he's a he's yeah. a Klimt or a Monet. That people when they're sure. first getting into film and really start to think like I'm a film buff, they really mm-hmm. dive into Stanley and they really the the big hitters are um, Full Metal Jacket and. A, a clockwork orange. A clockwork orange, thank um, you. Yeah, not The Shining, yeah. A Clockwork Orange is is, yeah. uh, is the other and one. And 2001 as well. 2001, of course. Say. Yeah, but that one's almost mm. so ubiquitous that yeah. that it's it's cooler, man, to, to like. <laughs> um, right. Uh, because A Clockwork... 2001 isn't subversive in the same way that A Clockwork Orange mm. is. And to some degree... See, I haven't seen either of them. Well, mm. A Clockwork Orange is on the list, and it is yeah. just as miserable an experience as... I'm... I, I know it's a rough one. I my, know that. <laughs> my point with all of that is that, especially in college, I used to think that I was a big film buff, and uh, um, I'm not. You know, um, I enjoy. I've realized that that certain films um, deliver emotional experiences or artistic <laughs> um, impacts that I'm interested in. Yeah, but I'm okay. not. broadly See, I consider interested a, in the study film of film. Well, okay. well that's, that's what fair. this exercise is for then now you can say that because you've seen Full Metal Jacket yeah boy score um, one for Kubrick yeah, uh, yeah. No, look, it, all of that said, really... by, by the way again mm-hmm. I actually really love Gustav Klimt and I re- uh, like of course uh, I enjoy <laughs> Monet the point that it, uh, my point was just like I thought it was interesting the way that cultural cliche sort of mirrors other um, art yeah. forms 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, Full Metal Jacket is an incredible movie. I have mixed feelings about Clockwork Orange, but go ahead. And yeah, like I, I mean, Kubrick is held <laughs> to a really high high esteem, deservedly so. I mean, I I think um, sounds like a he, terrible he human had... being, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. One, um, one but... wonders if certain directors or artists uh, who were living in the social media age were around. If we would have gotten what? their later works. What is that? What is with that, though? Like, there's so many, like, hyper-creative geniuses that are complete dickbags. Like, it seems really well, there's, common. It's so that, strange. I don't... I think that that is a uh, confirmation bias problem. Where probably uh, yeah, where um, they're just so prominently featured. There are ton. That's auteur mm-hmm. theory too. I think there are tons of people making great work, and it happens that yeah, uh, we discover true. that certain people who make great yeah. work are assholes, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. they tend to skew our perspective of true the like people talking about Hollywood, Hollywood mm-hmm. types, and like to lump everyone together. There's yeah. thousands and thousands right. of people yeah. making stuff in yeah. Southern California, let alone Canada, yeah. Toronto, all of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Scorsese's great. Uh, Spike Jones. Like, there's so many amazing right. directors out yeah. there that don't seem to be shitheads. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is another reason why you know what? If we had like, us, if Kubrick hadn't survived these times, you know, if we hadn't gotten. If that had meant we hadn't gotten eyes wide shut, so, so be it. You know, the, yeah, that's, that's I mean, a, a, a theater open for a different person to try. Uh, they, like, there, I'm sure there are so many voices that slip through the cracks that mm. uh, that are going to make great things that we never hear about, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really know what to, to expect go, going into this one. Like, I, I knew it was about uh, the military and I had seen that famous uh, improv scene, um, improv scene with uh, uh, Ali Ermi uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio, the one where Ermi's um, just uh, him was improvising, he, he was just riffing, and D'Onofrio starts breaking character and la- laughing, and rather than ruining the scene, they just rolled with it. I've heard that that was completely improv, um, which I think is great. So I knew that there was an element of mil- military training. Uh, but I, I didn't really know what to, to to expect beyond that. Yeah. 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 So the movie is, um, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen Full Metal Jacket, the movie is divided into um, essentially two stories. There mm-hmm. is the story of basic training, and then there is the story of a single day. I think it's a single day-ish. In Vietnam, in, right? in Vietnam and uh, the yeah. events of both. The first one mm-hmm. is a continually escal- escalating uh, vice grip tightening. It over doesn't and let over. up. It just keeps going until it explodes. It's Literally. And then yeah. the uh, second one sort of waffles for a bit. And then the last 10, 15 mm. minutes are equally traumatizing and awful. Um, yeah. And all of that. So, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> You know, it's so you said it's split into two uh, halves. Um, I've heard that um, apparently some some critics at the time panned it because they said that the second half wasn't as good as the the first half, which I disagree with. Look, look, I think part one was the best. I do, but 
I think they were both equally as affecting. Um, but yeah, that first half, man. Oh, God. Um, so basically what happens is this guy is basically bullied in basic training and has so much shit hung on him that he basically snaps and he shoots his uh, drill sergeant dead and then shoots himself. And boy, did I not expect that. I did not see, see that coming. Like that, like you saw me, like when it ha- happened, I was like, whoa, what? Like, yeah. It's so funny because shit. we do a three, two, one play among four people. Yeah. Everyone's kind mm. of at a different point and you were a little behind yeah. by about 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. uh, so it was so funny. <laughs> seeing you react to stuff that we like i had seen on screen already um yeah yeah, and for this kind of experience where i've seen this movie three or four times because uh again um repeated exposures when i was younger um Mm -hmm. i was more watching your guys's reaction to this than uh the the movie itself sometimes yeah i know all the first of all it's so scarring that um, oh, yeah. one viewing is enough to remember the major beats for oh, yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I will watch it again, but that's only because I want to absorb it more, you know? Yeah. But y- it's, it's not one that you really forget at all. Yeah, it's um, an interesting... Um, I'm always kind of... Kind of interested... Uh, uh, you know, it's sort of that... The, the main thesis of uh, Top Ten Buffy or angel episodes to pair with wine and a good cry why do we value great tragedy in our entertainment and why are we attracted to stories like this you know stories that are horrific and violent and right you know and and in a way that's deeply different hmm. from like reservoir dogs for instance yeah i've been thinking about that a bit too because like you know me i'm a big softy i'm a teddy bear i'm very warm i'm very loving but I love horror movies and I love shit, shit like this that makes me, me, me go, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, I love that stuff. So what is that? Like, I, I don't... I mean, to yeah. me, Full Metal Jacket is a more profound horror movie than most of the oh, horror yeah. films that I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's not a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, like, no, no, but this, this affects me and disturbs me more than most horror movies I've seen. Like, yeah. But yeah, and there's some most argument horror, to be made for, like, the... Um, the emotional catharsis that we received from it, but still, like, after the movie was done, the four of us mm-hmm. sitting there talking, yeah, it was like we'd been to war ourselves. Like, yeah, four yeah. of us had like thousand yard stares, and were, mm-hmm. kind of, and I'm sure that was part of the intended effect. Yeah, you know? I think one of the distinctions I think uh, for me is that this. Full Metal Jacket says something about some really dark sub, sub sure. subject matter, whereas something like Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't do do that. It's just it's just horror, you know. No. I mean, Scream. Well, well, no, Scream is like a send up of, but that's a that's a different. Yeah, thing. Scream is satire. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's partly what it is. Like, like this this is Kubrick. Um, making a comment on the horrors of the, the military and not just that, like the dehumanization that takes place in the military, because that, that is a real thing in the military. They kind of teach you to detach yourself from your humanity a little bit because it makes the act of killing easier. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, for that, like that is a legit uh, thing. some sort of surface reading, like Upham to me represents kind of uh, childhood hope and innocence, uh, mm-hmm. which can't survive the process of becoming a killer. Right. Um, and it is ultimately destroyed and and weeded out. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second movie is uh, a little bit less that. Um, just a little, maybe a little bit intending to be a little more representative or a little bit more. Um, yeah. There's a saying, we, we talk about how the, the second movie is a uh, boring, boring, all of a sudden, uh, incredibly and then 10, compelling. 10 minutes of, wow, right. yeah. There's a, uh, there's a saying that I cannot remember uh, that has to do with war being, you know, 29 days of boredom and tedium and one day of extreme terror and nightmare. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's represented in the structure of the second act. Sure. Um, which I, which, which, which is probably intentional, I think, because Kubrick was intentional in, in, in a lot of things, but I don't know. That's just yeah. And Joker guess. also has a line about why he's wearing, why his helmet says born to kill and why he's wearing a peace symbol. And he's talking, mm. uh, he has a line that he delivers humorously about the dichotomy of man that I yeah. think is actually the intended theme of that second yeah. act. There was a lot of that, like stuff written on the helmets. Um, what, what, what's his name? Um, the, the guy though, there was an angel. Um, Oh, Adam Baldwin. Um, he was in Firefly. Yeah, Adam Baldwin. Um, on his hat, it says, um, I am become death, which is um, a quote from, uh, um, is it J. Rob, Robert Oppenheimer? He was uh, involved in the Manhattan Project. Yeah, well, he was quoting an ancient um, Hindu text, but that... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that yeah, 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 is was, most yeah. famous for him saying, writing about that after exactly. the it, it's It's now become more... It, it is from the ancient Hindu text, but it's now synonymous with, uh, yeah, the atom bomb. But he, yeah, he was saying how um, when he saw the first detonation, it came to mind. Um, now, now I am become death, the, the destroyer of worlds. And so I think there was a lot of commentary taking taking sure. place in this film just about yeah. war in general. But like the endings for me, like the ending of part part one and the ending of part two. The the distinction for me is that the ending of part one left me shocked and stunned, whereas the ending of part two made me want to cry. Like mm-hmm. it it left me full of sorrow and and yeah, like it's it's yeah, yeah. Um, oh and yeah yeah. Part two ends with basically um, so there's a company of soldiers and they get pinned down by by a sniper. Who who eventually gets shot, and it t- turns out it's a young Viet- Vietnamese girl, and She's they're like standing around 14 her. Fourteen years old, something like that. Yeah. And they're standing around her as she's she's dying, and then she begs them to shoot shoot her, and it's just it's horrific shit. Yeah, like it's yeah. Mm. The one thing that I was struck by um, this time was sort of, which is a, a thing I can't turn off, which was like the examining the the um, elements of the composition, the music and the edits, and there's a there are a ton of stunning shots that go on for a while. The, the way the camera mm. follows people so closely, mm. um, the set design was. Kind of, I mean, it's it's so weird. Just speaking well of Full Metal Jacket, it's like praising <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. But um, yeah, the set design was was incredible. Like, the, didn't you say everything was practical? The- yeah, like the Vietnam scenes were filmed in like Connecticut or something like that. I think it was like, Louisiana, maybe. 
Um, yeah, yeah, and and but I could have sworn that was on location in Vietnam. Yeah. They they made it look exactly like. Well, I yeah, think the country was so closed when that, that movie was made. Um, oh yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible yeah. film. I, I I always. I don't know. I'm never quite sure what I get out of that experience. Uh, that that has me. I continue to like. I've watched Schindler's List many times. Schindler's List is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Schindler's List is hopeful. This movie is not. This movie no. is uh, very nihilistic. But I think, well, it it's nihilistic, but it's speaking about something that is awful. You know, war is awful. And I don't think this is glorifying it. And, and I know you're not saying, saying that, but I think in, in a way this is saying something positive because... It's pointing out how, how awful and senseless war is and how... But did we need like, to watch the movie to it is. see that? Well, I'm not saying no, I didn't enjoy the movie. I'm saying I don't understand mm. why I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. It's a it's a dif- difficult thing to de- decipher. No, we didn't need them, the movie to, to understand that. But I think it kind of... It reinforces one one's beliefs, I guess. Yeah, maybe it was what we were talking about earlier. There's difference between getting something intellectually and getting it emotionally. And right. Yeah, emotional, yeah. And this is the emotional truth. An emotional of something is, much, is much different. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, standouts for me: um, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, who plays uh, Private Pyle. He is the the young man that is bullied to the point where he freaking snaps. He See, I didn't realize that this was Vincent D'Onofrio until I was re- researching afterwards. I'm like, what? That was what? Like, that's crazy. Because I'm not used to seeing him as a young man. But um, Sugar. his performance, though, is, I want to call it disturbingly cat- captivating, especially the end there. Like, he just, there's something about it that is captivating, even though I know that's not really a word I should be u- using here. Well, it could have been over the top. Um, when mm-hmm. his, his breakdown scene could have been over the top, but he, it's yeah. very contained. Uh, yeah. and it, there's a moment where you think it's going to go over and then it just sort of yeah. collapses in on itself. Yeah. Um, and I, it's very affecting. Yeah. And you and I were talking about at the time how Kubrick was, was a perfectionist and we can't imagine how, how many times he would have. Want, want, want that done over and over and over again because he was a perfectionist yeah like, um, crazy perfectionist who's the guy he's the director of Tootsie um, oh I can nobody wants to see a story about people who live next to toxic waste they can see that in New Jersey uh <laughs> Sydney I can't remember his name I can see his face clearly Portier or something no. like that Sydney um, no. Sydney Pollock that could be it, yeah. That's, I think think it starts with well. It's P. not. It's not like we both ha- don't have a <laughs> right. Uh, it is Sydney Pollock. Sydney Pollock um, is in Eyes Wide yeah. Shut, and, and I, I've okay. And Sydney Pollock is a director, and I've seen uh, an interview with him talking about the experience of filming Eyes Wide Shut, and he uh, Stanley Kubrick made him do fifty takes. Of walking up to a door, opening it, looking out in the hallway, closing it, and walking away. Like That's 50, insane. 50 That's... takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, 
And that's a nightmare for an editor because who wants to go through 50 oh, takes? Oh, I'm sure to, Stanley to, to went through the 50 to, takes to with the him. Right one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the... the uh, I, I think that there's not a lot of... Re- he didn't have a lot of repeat actors. I think he had a, mm-hmm. a kind of a disposable perspective on uh, uh, the actors that he worked with. Um, mm-hmm. So not a lot of repeat actors, and and who yeah, the hell wants to go through that, that multiple times? I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember yeah. uh, many of the stories from it. But nonetheless, we got Spartacus and Paths of Glory, and uh, um, you know, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, right. and Barry Lyndon said no one. Go ahead. <laughs> but also uh, another standout, of course, is Ali Ermi. Uh, who who wasn't an actor initially? He served he was in after the that. United States. Yeah, he was after yeah. that. But yeah, he served in the United States Marine Corps from 1961 to 1972, and he also worked as a drill sergeant. Uh, the story goes that he was hired as a consultant, but uh, Kubrick liked him so much that only gave him a part part in the the film, and so. He was basically like playing himself, but he 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 was amazing too. Like yeah. the energy, man. Like he was just boom, boom, boom. Like it's really, really, really incredible stuff. Um, yeah, someday I will never watch Full Metal Jacket again. <laughs> Look, I yeah, I'm I'm just gonna summarize by saying that it was awful, disturbing, and horrific, and I loved it, and it. It's probably like there's a few Kubrick films I haven't seen, um, but to date this is my favorite Kubrick film. Like it's, it's I it's, it's yeah, I mean like the construction is so interesting. The soundtrack in mm-hmm. both of those sequences um, is not melodic particularly, but it is mm-hmm. incredibly affecting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'd have to think about it. <laughs> He's not high it's on okay. my list of. I, oh, I, Kubrick's not. Yeah, me yeah, neither. None of his like, movies really crack. Uh, because again, I know what I watch. I now know, as much as I can look at them and appreciate the art and the mm. construction and all of that. Yeah, I know what I watch stories for. Yeah, I know like, what I go to stories for. Honestly, this this is this is the only Kubrick film so 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 far that I can say that that I actually love. Like The Shining, I appreciate one it did for the genre, but it's it's just boring it it yeah. just is um and a lot of the other stuff i, I i've seen it's just it, it's fine i think kubrick does does deserve his place kind of but yeah he he wouldn't be like top 10 or even top I'm, top 20 i'm forgetting a movie he made right now but anyway uh before we get into the fanfic reading uh, i just want to mm-hmm. let you know that i am at ian nitram on twitter and I'm at lack of surprise one. That's all one word with the number one at the, the end. If you'd like to support the podcast and keep us flush with Valium and chili hearts, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. With the $5 and up club, you can join us in the hangout on April 3rd at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, is when the rewatch is. And the hangout is at 630. Mm-hmm. We'll be watching and talking about season five, episode seven of Buffy Fool for Love. That's going to be fun, that war. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a long <laughs> That's one. That's a big one. Uh, we yeah. limit seats in the conversation to 10 people, so check the Patreon page uh, for when to join. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would be... I just don't... I can't sit for that long. Um, 
I mean, even with ten pe- pe- people, that that can go over two and a yeah. half hours. Yeah, we've, we've got yeah. three hours on. Uh, uh, some episode, I was like, "Really? We did three hours on this?" <laughs> um, yeah. If you can't make it, the discussions are a lot of fun and have often changed my perspective on the episodes, and the replays can be found in a playlist over on the main channel. Go to the main page, scroll mm-hmm. down to uh, playlists. You can also he- help us out by grabbing yourself something from passionatethenerd.com forward slash store. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, all of the regular stuff you ne- you'd expect to find in a merch store. You can get all, all of that, that there. All right, let's go to the fanfic reading now. Here is Gone by Terry Boda, Chapter 41. The first thing Buffy saw when she arrived back at the magic box was the broken window. The the window hadn't been so much broken as completely blasted away, and she threw herself through the open door that teetered on one hinge. The wreckage stunned her, and she tried to take it in all of it. The circular reading table was flipped upside down and cracked into two pieces. The bookcases behind it had collapsed, and all the books lay scattered on the floor. Tara lay unconscious amid the debris, her hair cascading over her face. In the front of the store, the glass counter had been smashed and glass had littered everywhere. Lying in a pool of his own blood, his body facing the open door, one hand outstretched to reach for nothing, was Spike. The vampire's eyes were open, his face blank as he stared straight ahead. Buffy, Willow cried, rushing in. The witch skidded to a stop beside her friend, and they both stared at the damage before them. Oh my god, Willow breathed, and she saw Tara. Oh no, Tara! Willow raced to her lover's side, panicked as she shook the other girl. Buffy was relieved to hear a pained moan come from Tara. Tara! Tara! Oh, God! Tara, what happened? Willow asked as Tara sat up, one hand on her bloodied forehead. The the window. It it exploded, and I I heard Dawn scream. Dawn? Where's Dawn? Buffy demanded, her eyes sweeping the rubble. She was with Spike when Tara stopped, looking around the shop until she saw Spike on the floor and by the smashed counter. Oh, my God! The alarm. Buffy, the one we cast to warn us if Glory showed up. It sounded. I, I think I think Glory might have taken Dawn, Willow said, her eyes wide and frightened. Buffy immediately began ripping through the piles of books and broken wood, tossing them aside in a desperate search for her sister. The two witches watched with tears on their cheeks until Tara managed to make her way to Spike's side. The vampire was completely still and silent. His eyes open and blank. He didn't even blink. Spike? Tara whispered, shaking him gently. There was no response. Suddenly a foot came from the right, kicking Spike hard in the gut and rolling him away. Shocked, Tara looked up to see an enraged Buffy. Where is she? Buffy demanded. Spike's lack of response only served to make her angrier, and she kicked him again. Where's my sister, you undead pain in the ass? Buffy, Tara tried. What happened? What happened to you, bastard? She yelled, kicking the prone vampire repeatedly. Buffy! uh, Willow cried. Buffy, stop! Panting heavily, the slayer stopped, her hands clenched into fists and her face stained with tears. Uh, 
Buffy, Spike's... He's not responding. I, I, I'm not sure he's even in there anymore, Willow explained. Tara crawled over to the blank-faced vampire and looked into his wide, staring eyes. I think... I, I think he's gone inside. Oh, good lord. Giles' voice breathed, and they looked to see the watcher, Anya and Xander, standing in the open doorway. The shop! What happened to the shop? Anya screamed. The money! The ex-demon raced for the toppled cash register as Giles and Xander surveyed the damage. Oh, man, what happened here? Xander breathed. Giles, Dawn's missing, Buffy said tersely. The advance warning alarm sounded. We think think it might have been Glory, Willow added. Glory, Giles repeated, stunned. How? We, We don't know. Spike might know, but he's zombie vamp, Buffy replied. He's gone catatonic, Giles, Willow explained worriedly. He's not responding at all. Giles walked through the, sh- the sea of shattered glass to where Willow and Tara sat by the vampire's side. Judging by the amount of blood on the floor and on Spike, the vampire had not gone down quietly. But the open, blank stare on Spike's face worried him. He leaned down and shook the vampire on the shoulder. Spike? He shook a little harder when he got no response. Spike! It's, it's no use, Mr. Giles, Tara said. Giles sighed. Unfortunately, if what you say is true and Glory does have Dawn, then we need Spike because he's the only one who has any idea where Glory might have taken her. Why? Buffy demanded. Why would Spike know where Glory took Dawn? What else have you been keeping from us, Giles? Giles sighed again. I know that Spike has done extensive legwork on Glory and her plans to use the key. It's been his obsession for the last few months. Oh, and here I thought Buffy was his obsession. Nice to know the guy can split his attentions like that, Xander commented irritably. Xander, not now, Buffy snapped back. It is true that Spike has been preoccupied with his feelings for Buffy. He he loves her, Tara interjected. And Dawn. Yes, I, I do believe he does, Giles agreed. As such, keeping the two of them safe has been his priority. And yet, to determine how much his presence and actions have affected this situation... I know there's been a great deal that he has done in the demon world. What he has uncovered, he has been reluctant to tell me, probably because he thought I would not help him. I have no doubt that he knows more about glory and the ceremony than he has let on. Because Spike never keeps secrets and tells lies, Buffy snarked. Giles ignored her comment. It is quite possible that Spike has an idea of where the ceremony is taking place and when. We need to do everything we can to bring him back from wherever he's gone. I can try and do that, Giles, Willow offered. There's some spells. Good, Willow, you do that, he confirmed. In the meantime, we can go through the box of scrolls Spike had me get from this creepy guy's apartment, Buffy said, indicating the small wooden chest she had dropped on the floor when she returned to the magic box. Who? Giles asked. Buffy picked up the box and handed it to Giles. Spike told me about this demon guy he killed. He said he heard that he was a follower of glory and might have a box of scrolls that could help us, but that he never had a chance to go check it out. I told him I would go. She looked around at the wreckage, found frowning guiltily. It was why I wasn't here when... Giles, you don't think... The older man cut her off. No. I seriously doubt he knew glory would attack that quickly. If he had, he most certainly would have urged us to move faster. 
It is likely that he was taken by surprise. Still, if I'd been here, you would most probably have been killed or otherwise defeated by her. Glory is very strong, he assured. You're probably right, she conceded. Well, let's see what's in this box, shall we? Where did you say Spike sent you? Some rat's nest on the other side of town. Real dump that smelled awful. Spike said he killed the guy who lived there. Was there a body? Anya asked suddenly. Buffy's brow creased. Actually, no, there wasn't. But there was a big blood stain on the rug. Struck me odd because Spike isn't known for cleaning up after himself. Anya looked thoughtful for a moment, then gave a confident smile. It, it was probably scavengers. There are demons that eat carrion. Buffy crinkled up her nose. Ugh! So did not need to know that. Here, let's get a space and see what these scrolls have to offer. Uh, I doubt we have much time, so we need to work quickly, Giles said. Uh, we're just about ready here, Mr. Giles, Willow announced from where she and Tara sat by Spike. Very good. I hope you succeeded in bringing him back. I hope you succeed in bringing him back. So I can kill him, Buffy added lowly. Giles ignored her as he cleared a safe spot to sit and read the scrolls. Willow lit the incense and cast the spell that would allow her to access Spike's mind. Breathing in deeply, she recited the words and felt her consciousness slip inwards, going through a dark tunnel. When she finally stopped moving, she opened her eyes to see a dark and barren wasteland. The earth was blackened and devoid of all life. Fissures in the ground belched foul-smelling smoke. The sky was blood-red with ominous black clouds, and thunder rumbled in the distance. Looking around, across the empty plain, she spied a fortress looming on the horizon. Guess that's where I need to go, the young witch thought. As she made her way across the scorched earth, Willow realized that it wasn't as empty as she had originally thought. All along the way, there were bodies covered in black ash, littered around. At first... She thought it was a battlefield and that the corpses were fallen soldiers. But then she realized that the dead ranged from the very young to the very old, with men and women of all ages in between. His victims, she realized, gasping. Tears stung her eyes as she lost count of the dead. Pitiful, twisted bodies strewn all along, all along her way. They were silent as she passed and only the howling wind answered her unspoken prayers. It sickened her to see them, contorted in their death throes. A young woman preserved in a silent scream here, a man with a railroad spike jutting out of his eye socket there. Hundreds of them. Thousands of them. The accumulated carnage of a century of killing. And she wondered to herself how she could have ever considered this creature to be her friend how she could have ever turned her back to him, nor left him with her lover, or trusted him in any way. He was an unrepentant killer for over a hundred years. Tried to kill Buffy lots of times. Tried to kill me and Xander. Only thing that stopped him was the chip. What could Tara have been talking about when she said he'd changed? But hadn't he? He'd been helping them for the past year, He'd taken beatings and risked his own life to keep the rest of them safe. And Tara insisted on multiple occasions that Spike deserved better treatment from them. But how could he, 
when he had killed so many without remorse or mercy. It doesn't matter right now. We need to, we need him, so I have to get him back. The ground rumbled beneath her feet, and she felt a shiver of fear run up her spine. Stepping up her pace, she hurried for the fortress, feeling an urgency she hadn't felt before. Eyes were watching her. She just knew it. She could feel them staring holes into her back, and she began to run. Snarls came from behind her, and the sound of rushing feet dogged her heels. Terror seized her, and she raced across the open plain, praying that she would reach safety before whatever was behind her managed to catch up. The ground, she thought, was flat, proved to be anything but, as holes opened up underneath her feet as she ran, tripping her up and adding to her growing panic. The snarls were still behind her and getting closer, but she was almost to the forbidding walls of the fortress. Picking, her, picking herself up off the blackened ground where she had fallen beside the body of a teenage girl, she wrenched her gaze away from the horror of the girl's screaming face and made a final dash. She hit the solid metal doors, sobbing with relief as she found it unlocked. Grabbing the heavy handle in both hands, she pulled with all her strength. The door creaked, but did not open. Half mad with panic, knowing her pursuers were almost at the gates, she yanked as hard as she could, feeling the rusted hinges begin to give way. She screamed and pulled again, and the heavy door screamed back as it screeched open. Only opening it wide enough to squeeze her thin frame through, she slammed the door behind her and threw the heavy bar. Twin thuds thumped against the other side, nails scraping across the metal, and two howls rose up over the high wall. She paused a moment to catch her breath and calm down before she took stock of her surroundings. Leaning against the barred door, she turned around and looked upon an empty stone courtyard. There were no bodies here. In fact, it looked as if the open space had been swept completely clean. And there was another door directly across from her, this one wooden and arched. Wiping the sweat from her brow, she staggered her way across the courtyard and put her hand on the door handle. It, too, was unlocked, but appeared to have been unused for a long time. It didn't take as much effort to open the door as it had the larger, outer one, and soon she found herself looking down a long stone hallway. Closing the door behind her, she kept an ear out for any dangers or surprises and made her way down the hall. There was an opening off to her left, and she turned to find a half-open door. Flickering light was coming from beside it, so she slipped in and quietly found herself in a library. The flickering light was coming from a fire crackling in the large stone hearth, but it was who was sitting beside the fire that made her gasp. His hair was sandy brown and a riot of soft curls that defied the, their owner by slipping out of the band he tried to keep it in. Thin wire glasses perched daintily upon his sharp nose as he held a well-loved book in his delicate, perfectly manicured hand. He was dressed as a Victorian gentleman, in gray tweed, one leg crossed over the other as he read the book in his hand. A cup of tea, long forgotten, sat on the table beside him, along with a small plate of crackers and sausage. Spike? Willow gasped, shattering the quiet. The figure jumped, uh, 
dropped the book and looked at her with shocked eye. Oh, oh dear, he stammered, scrambling to pick up the book. He handled it with great care, stroking the spine to make sure it hadn't been broken. Spike, is that you? She tried again, taking a tentative step closer. Spike, who? Oh, oh no, not I. I'm not... He, he replied. The resemblance was remarkable. Take away the brown hair and tweed and replace them with platinum blonde and black leather, and it was Spike without a doubt. Her quick mind tried to figure out what was going on. William? she offered. The look-alike stood up tall and straightened his jacket. Yes, I, I'm William. Okay, like, totally weird. Spike was a real nerd when he was alive. Um... Hi, I'm Willow. William bowed stiffly. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Miss Willow, although I'm confused as to how you came to be here. I came in through the front door. He looked surprised. You did? You crossed the... Oh, I see. He dropped his eyes and turned away. Yeah, I, I crossed the field full of bodies. The cemetery, yes. It's kind of creepy out there, actually. William nodded. <clears throat> Yes, yes, I am aware. He raised his eyes to her again. You, you must be very brave. Well, I, I kind of needed to get in here. I'm, I'm looking for someone. Maybe you know him. Uh, he looks a lot like you, only he's got bleach blonde hair and wears a lot of black. William stiffened and stared at her. Him? What do, you, what do you want with him? I, I need his help. Can you tell me where he is? William shook his head sadly. I don't think I can help you, milady. He's, um, he's been indisposed for quite some time. Haven't seen him in a good while. Used to come out and taunt me. Tease me about reading and poetry. Poetry? Willow repeated. William sniffed and turned up his nose. I'm quite good, really. Eyes opened wide in hope. Would you like to see? Um, sure? He gave her a brilliant smile and scrambled to retrieve a yellowed note, a front pad from the shelf. He handed it to her proudly and fidgeted his, his hands as she read the neat handwriting. Effulgent, she repeated. He gave her a shy smile. It was my last work. I, I died before I could write another. Whoa, you died? Well, yes, of course. And Mr. Parker stole the notepad from me and read the work aloud. It wasn't finished, of course. The inks were still... A bit wet, but um, afterwards, my lovely Cecily rejected me, and I ran out into the street. His eyes grew misty and far away. That's when she found me. She saw me, saw what was inside of me, and wanted me to be with her. I agreed. It hurt when she bit me, that is. Hurt a lot. Then it didn't hurt any more. And I went somewhere far away. It was nice there. Peaceful. I could see what had happened uh, to what remained of my body. But I was somewhat removed. It, it did not affect me. He paused and looked around the library. And I came to be here. Something happened. The demon, the one you called Spike. He, I, I was called back. We really didn't get along at first. In, in fact, we rather loathed each other. It was quite unpleasant. 
Then they came, and he protected me from them. He said I would be safe in here, and so far that has been true. They haven't been able to cross the threshold. They, they tried for a while, but then they stopped trying. That's when he stopped coming back to me. Willow creased her brow, trying to take it all in. Then her eyes opened wide as the truth dawned on her, and she gasped, covering her mouth with both uh, both hands. <gasps> oh, my goodness. You're his soul. William blinked at her. Well, yes. I suppose I am. She stared at him in abject shock. What? How? Was Spike cursed? Cursed? Good, no, look, good Lord, no. He chose me. Chose you? How? The, the demon he went to gave me to him. Demon? What, what, what demon? The one in Africa. The one he went to see after... He stopped, looking away and lowering his eyes. A slight shudder passed through his thin frame. After, she prompted. William shook his head. After, in the time before. Willow was confused, but she knew she had to let it go. She was running out of time, and she had to get Spike back if they wanted to save Dawn. Look, I don't understand, but I don't have time for that right now. I need to find Spike. Can you tell me where he is? William looked at the half-open door and shied away, wringing his hands. I cannot leave this room. They'll get me if I do. You should stay here with me. You'll be safe here. The teacup is always full. The plate rep replenishes itself. Willow motioned for him to be silent. I can't. People are depending on me. Glory has dawn, and Spike might know where she's been taken. I have to find him and get him to come back with me. Oh, I see. Can you tell me if he's here in this fortress? William nodded slowly. Yes, I've never seen him go out. Okay, I'm going to go look for him. He looked at her with worried, frightened eyes. Do be careful, Miss Willow. Uh, don't let them get you. She set her jaw and nodded. I won't. She turned and put a hand on the door jamb before casting him a backward glance. And thanks. You're most welcome, he whispered back as she left behind. Good luck. I'm going to need it, she thought to herself as she stepped back into the stone hall. Oh boy, well that was a... Hold on. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm burping. Uh... Don't put that in. <laughs> I so want to, but I won't. It's okay. Jack, what are you up to this week? Uh, well, Ian, I've got quite a few things on right now. Um, I'll be editing a few podcasts for Chipperish. Um, also, I'll be recording episode two of our Farscape podcast with Sarah and uh, Josh. Also, Ian, you and I are going to get some housekeeping type stuff done. Uh, Patreon re readings. We need to finally get the merch for the po podcast up. And there's some stuff to figure out over on the Discord server. So, I mean, in short, what am I up to? Well, everything, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, sir? What's going on for, for you? Uh, working on a new video. I, I kind of... This is inside baseball granular stuff, but I, I completely changed my... Um, productivity system today which sounds mm -hmm. like nothing but it, uh, it, uh to someone who relies so heavily on it because of i i you know 
I, I, I've been thinking a lot about process and uh, trying to shorten the gaps and to write more often mm -hmm. and to just get let go of barriers and just get to it. Um, and so to that end, I shifted productivity systems today. It's really funny. I, when I first started doing a daily productivity habit, which I recommend to anyone who struggles with calendars or uh, organization or getting things done or anything of that <laughs> I matter. see you looking at me like that, Ian. I, uh, I see those eyes piercing through Because the you know what? I do. I absolutely do. I'm absolutely that guy. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, originally... And I've just started because I need to. <laughs> I started in an outliner program. And uh, mm -hmm. used it as sort of a mind map with tasks built into the outliner. And since then, I've did things and to-dos. I talked about it a little bit in uh, the toolbox fallacy where I didn't really understand what my problem was. Like, And I, I, I better do now so that I can work on it, which is like fear and distraction and procrastination and all of that and no amount of productivity systems and organizational systems and all of that will fix that problem right they're very right. good for what they do but what they do is not fix that problem um so i'm working on that too but anyway i shifted uh, you know i've used probably a dozen to-do list applications over the years <laughs> you've and sent me about a dozen i shifted back to I'm the outliner today, which is the one I started at when I was 22, 23 years old. I love that about you, though. You're always looking to improve things. It's like, yeah, this this is okay, but it could be better. Well, if, it, like, if you're someone who lives in your to-do list and, well, I don't know if you're, like, you are, but like for me, the, the cycle with to-do lists and organizational systems and GTD systems and stuff like that is eventually they get cluttered and break down from lack of proper maintenance. There are things you're yeah. supposed to do daily, weekly, monthly to keep the system mm -hmm. working. Right. And you wipe the system and start over. And you know what it feels like? It feels like reinstalling your computer's operating system. Yeah. You, yeah, you're, you know how good a clean install feels? It feels uh, nice. Nothing fresh on the desktop. And yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, I can install whatever I want. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> so again, that was a little bit granular. I'm working on a new video mm -hmm. not related to Buffy or Angel. Um, Ooh, Lonnie and I watched a uh, movie that wasn't very good. Neither of us, okay, particularly liked it, but it spurred okay. a whole bunch of um, thoughts I've had about creativity and work and all of that that i i want to work through uh, in this script i'm also working on the next angel episode guide which is the trials uh fan, mm -hmm. fan favorite not one of my favorites but a fan favorite is, is that the one with the pregnant lady and angel's gotta help her no that's that uh no. that's the first episode of the season um the oh. trials is the one where uh darla has gotten sick and angel tries to cure her oh. of her yeah i i actually really like that one <laughs> yeah not my favorite okay that's um, fair. <laughs> uh i get it it's very entertaining and the last yeah. three minutes of the episode are stunner but those three yeah. minutes like aren't the episode I, you could see i suddenly feel like we're talking i, I um we're talking about i, I will remember you again <laughs> uh or uh i was made to love you like you could say yeah but that yeah. ending if i was made to love you yeah but no, the rest see, of the I don't episode really like that episode either like 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 that well that's my yeah. point <laughs> yeah okay, yeah cool we'll get into it i no i think i think 
the trials is very entertaining um but i uh, mm-hmm. but it's also a little derivative and it like it reminds <laughs> me it reminds me too much of other stuff that i also have lo- really loved and I, I can never stop thinking like this is pretty much exactly that whole sequence from that movie um <laughs> Yeah, but do you realize stuff is everything's been done? Yeah, everything. of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, yeah, everything is lifted from everything else. I, I, I'm not blind to that that fact. I haven't written the script yet. Who knows? I may change my okay. mind and love it. That has happened okay. as well. Um, it has, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, and I'm also finally settled in enough here in New York to uh, try and get an eye back on fitness and diets and... Mm-hmm. All of that, so I need to have an eye on that this week. I, do, I weigh myself <laughs> on a regular basis because I think it's important to have the number. To just know, yeah, it's good yeah. to have the data. It's like whenever I'm afraid of my finances, I spend so much time worrying what they might be. And then I look at the, my finances, right. and even if they're bad, I'm like, okay, well, it's better to know. It's just be- it's yeah. it's calmer. It's easier to have the information to just go, okay, I can do this, or I can't do yeah. this, or whatever it may yeah. be. Um, yeah. That said, I've had the information and haven't been doing anything about it uh, <laughs> for the past couple of months, but I think it's about time. So yeah. that is my week. Um, mm-hmm. Fun stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you. We are going to endeavor to be back on a more regular schedule now. Um, well, we we have booked in to film another podcast choose uh, Tuesday next week. Uh, oh. That'll be Monday for those those of you in the US. But yeah, take care, everybody. Take a breath. Take it easy. Look look after yourselves and look and look after each other. And we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.